reading that law line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are in a coup they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking Vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood, blood. Never! I will fucking die! Fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage! Fuck these motherfuckers!
All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Boom. Uh, of course, uh, I just, uh, it's a freaking nightmare because um, you may have realized that we are on a strike. And why does everything look so gash? Uh, it's all blurry, right? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I know um, we were messing around with uh, Elgato Cannon properties. Um, yeah, that's okay. Uh, we were messing around with the graphic card. Is that working? Check, 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 check. It's all blurry. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Uh, Spartacus, are you there, sir? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'd like to say brilliantly, but uh, of course, uh, when you begin to uh, approach the boundary of the uh, ever-emerging uh, unified field, uh, tech problems are <laughs> raining down on me. I've just found out <laughs> the, uh, the YouTube channel that I just put out is on a strike. So here's a new YouTube channel. Uh, I'm going to re tweet this by the way the nvidia filter is changing the sound just the music um oh shit that's to simon not to you and um put that there uh, how's my microphone sound is is the uh game is the game a little too hot no it's perfect dude all right excellent i, I do hear a little bit of an echo from myself Are you got on speakers or headphones i'm on headphones uh, where's that sp where's that sound coming from uh this was this is us um messing with filters earlier uh well we we'll do the stream it's it's workable i don't know why the uh the cameras uh being so uh gay but eh, it is what it is uh, um is this is this the new link yes uh put that out for youtube and um i will this is just one of those things, man. Um, it happens it. too often. Uh, apparently, the last one had hate speech in. Now, um, I, I don't know what was particularly beyond the pale uh, in that one, but uh, I will, uh, I will appeal it, of course, and. Um, go from there well everyone uh this, this evening um i was just engaged in a, a, a wonderful back and forth with spartacus just on his latest work and um i was of the opinion that we should stream this as quickly as uh possible because it, it is so um we've got to nail this information down i don't did you see the stream i did with charles the other day uh, I don't think I have. Um, I'd have to review that. Mm. Well, in it, it was just a case of, um, you know, we've been plodding along for two and a half years and uh, sort of coming to the conclusion that maybe things are going to accelerate um, quicker than we uh, anticipate. And as a consequence, um, we should... Uh, well, get as much information recorded and, you know, if they take us down in whatever fashion, um, we, we will do our best 
Um, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, just kind of get things nailed down a bit so and get that information out there for people to see. Yep, yeah. And uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm just trying to... Did you, you didn't get the last one, right? The last... Uh, which one? The last Twitter that um, I I gave it to you. It's oh, um, I. It's strange, but it looks like the things you're tagging me with are not actually showing up on my notifications. His his at name is Spartacus, right? Yes. Hmm. That's interesting. Um. Well, let me just put mm. um updated YouTube. Yeah. Let's just see if this one goes through and try that. But yeah, the the amount of, uh, how should we say, uh, interference is, uh, well, it's more than palpable. Uh, you know, there's going after my banking, going after accounts, going after um, anything and everything that I try and put out. And well, it, that's, that's what happens when you go up against a multi-billionaire establishment of Davos cultists. Uh, you nailed it there, bro. You nailed <laughs> it there. Um, let me just switch to the main screen and hope that that makes it. No, this is what I know is wrong. Um, Canon 2, go away, delete that, and I bet you that... Um, that helps it. Delete, delete, delete. Um, I, I was messing with the NVIDIA card that can do this sort of dynamic extraction of the background. Nice. Uh, uh, but no, it's it's messed everything up. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, did the new tweet go out? Did you did you get it? I don't think it should. Nope, it didn't show up on my notifications. Damn, man. That's messed up. That is weird. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll put it in Discord for you so you can. Um... I think. Um, no, no, I, I see it here. Uh, one second. I see it on your your profile. I just don't see it in, in my notifications, even though you tagged me in. Right, it's it's the right name, right? Yep. Uh, God damn it! Where's the echo coming from on my side? I do hear an echo at some point. Ah, it's gone away. Anyway, um, yeah, those those Davos uh, individuals, as we say, they're highly motivated to uh, keep uh, keep people like myself and uh, yours truly, as we say, <laughs> under under the thumb. Uh, pretty pretty much. So I mean, it's been well. I want to say two, three months since we last spoke. Yeah, it's uh, been a couple of months. I think it was back in July when we were doing those other streams. Yeah, and uh, those ones, dude, were such a. They were a massive hit. They, I think, that was oh, yeah. one of my most popular um, streams I'd ever done, and um, the detail in them was just, you know, you're encyclopedic in your in your work and um i, I will i will say this <laughs> to people that are listening um I can, I can tell you this like charles um spartacus here came to this topic from uh, well even less of a 
um, approximate distance than Charles did, like completely left field, uh, had the capacity to read, start reading this literature and um, put it into a format that people find engaging. Reading Substack's very popular, Twitter is very popular, and well, you're an engaging speaker too, dude. Thank you. Um, so, uh, well, I, I'm just hoping to get people, um, yes, we should be on YouTube. Let me just, uh, re I really have to credit Charles and, uh, as well as, as Billy Bostickson for, um, for really opening my eyes to what was happening here with their work. Uh, because it, it took me a long time to realize what was going on. Well, Sort of. I mean, I um, I was digging into COVID-19 pathology in, in early 2020, but I didn't really start to realize the full extent of the of the subterfuge behind all of this until like around early 2021. Um, I, the, the cracks started to form by late 2020. It's like I started to realize, you know, these lockdowns are obviously not having any positive effect. And it, it looked like it looked like they were just going to keep these these control measures up forever, mm. and um, I started to realize, you know, it's it's uh, yeah, they they just weren't following any of the standard aspects of, of epidemic pre prevention and, and control. Um, they were doing something that they'd never done before, just very large scale, just lockdowns everywhere. Um, and fear mongering in the media, scare tactics. Um, there were uh, ethicists who questioned whether it was moral to uh, for them to use scare tactics to get people to go along with with uh, vaccination, with the lockdowns, and so on. And there were huge, I mean, massive uh, economic drawbacks to all of this as well. Um, it's uh, well, uh, in, just... in hindsight, it looks very, very targeted. You know, the the large corporations were allowed to keep operating. Um, it does. Um, the big box businesses, um, e-commerce. You know, people were still allowed to shop at you know, at Amazon online, of course, and and they were still allowed to shop in Walmart and Best Buy. Um, but uh, and there was a huge consolidation. Um, away from from small businesses and towards established monopolies mm. um, to the point where literally trillions of dollars of wealth were transferred away from small businesses and entrepreneurs and towards these giant conglomerates and that in itself it, it looks targeted and planned to a, a shocking degree and a lot of these people who are involved in this um, have direct links to, to Davos and the World Economic Forum and so on so mm -hmm. it's there's there's something it's it's obvious even looking at the picture in by late 2020 that there was something going on here um and, and there were some people who who um who could see even very early on that there were that there were a lot of suspicious things about all of this like um the footage from Wuhan, for instance, you know, people falling down, having seizures and stuff, and and tank trucks going around spraying streets with unidentified disinfectants and, and stuff like that. It's, like that's not normal 
uh, epidemic control procedure at all. That's very, very suspicious. Well, it, it, is it suspicious in the context of what would be... Well, if the presumption is that we have a lab origin pathogen, then maybe there's something to the actions that were taken by the well the actions taken by the chinese were very much uh, an, an offensive posture right they stopped internal travel but allowed external and it wasn't it wasn't just um like an accidental bioweapon release or something like that or or an accidental release of a of a pathogen that was being developed for for vaccine research or, or oh, I'm, we're not buying or i'm not buying the vaccine uh research at the moment not now not after what we a, know exactly it, it was a com it, it's the thing about it is that it was a combination of literal psychological warfare tactics a li literal milgram experiment type stuff uh, literal tavistock type stuff hmm. with with the release of a pathogen and because of that coordination it, it becomes obvious you know that this that to some degree, this was intentional and planned. It wasn't just them capitalizing upon a crisis. Um, I, I tried, you know, discussing this back and forth with Andrew Huff, uh, the former VP of EcoHealth Alliance, and he he believes that it was an intelligence failure, like Iran Contra. What he what he believes is that the CIA wanted to snoop on China's uh, bio lab capacity uh, using, you know, Peter Daszak to get to get at them, essentially. Yeah. But I, I do not believe that that's the case. I believe that the CIA intentionally coordinated with EcoHealth Alliance to ensure that SARS-CoV-2 would be developed um, and, and then released from, well, well, look, from uh, Wuhan. It, it's something that people don't talk about that often it's a, i have mentioned it but you know we know that dayzak was in china in october for a visit to rat farms and what that uh you know it, the timing of it uh the timing with respect to the military games it's all it's all very very suspect and it's well, not just the timing it's the years and years of planning and and obvious displays of of forethought uh behind all of it um the fact that that the department of homeland security um we're calling upon peter dashik to form a, a ground truth network to um uh, to, to 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 be able to access subject matter experts and and relay in, information to the public rapidly essentially to, to disseminate propaganda and that was years and years be beforehand mm. that was that was ages ago um and not only that you know event 201 as someone just mentioned in the in the in the chat uh certain all the uh the different um uh tabletop exercises the exercises they did in drills before yeah which, which just happens exactly yeah <laughs> this is just happened to involve a, a, a pandemic coronavirus yeah it's like no, we're not buying that. Mm, yeah, it, and, then, and then of course, um, Sam uh, Sam Nunn and the um, uh, the Nuclear Threat Initiative publishing uh, strengthening global systems to prevent and respond to high consequence biological threats. And it's talking about how there's going to be um, a theoretical like monkeypox outbreak, and then mm. one one occurs in the same exact month. It's it's like yeah. no, it's mm. like that doesn't. <laughs> I mean, they're not psychic. 
Come on. No, I, I don't think so. And, you know, what we see publicly with respect to, you know, academia, the public facing side of, well, defense components, there's a lot of, how should we say, coordination behind the scenes uh, with a lot of this, well, <laughs> perfidy, yeah. evil, whatever you you want to call it um yeah i guess evil is the the key the main key word here yeah i mean it, it's difficult not to come to that conclusion right I, I i try to be objective with the scientific data but you know when i take the science hat off oof, dude it doesn't look good man um yeah it's kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies yeah yeah um and look did you did you see the talk of or the talk with Jeffrey Sachs and Robert Kennedy? I don't believe I have seen that. Oh my god. This, this past month or so I kind of had to step away for a little bit because it was just it the, the, all this was just kind of getting to me a little bit. Mm. So I, I needed to kind of to step back and rethink what I what I was doing. I mean how I could how I could tackle the problem and then I decided to start working on my graph again mm. and um i see you have it up there on your screen uh yes i do uh institute for coronavirus emergence non-profit intelligence those yes. are the those are the words that i like hearing i someone someone without a financial incentive doing this work <laughs> and uh doing it uh well to a degree that um puts me to shame i mean what do i do rail at the camera and like a, you know, once you once you've told everyone the prions, um, I'm I'm not sure what else to do. Uh, try and uh, well, try and keep people's morale up. I guess is one way of doing it. The thing about this graph is that what it reveals is a really disturbing kind of IT to biotech pipeline, and and vice versa. It's. Um, just the links between the military industrial complex, uh, the intelligence community, uh, information technology, uh, and this isn't even all of it. This is, this is, uh, I'd say about half of it. Mm. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a small fraction of what it could be. This is a work in progress. Um, there are so many more organizations and names uh, and, and um, uh, just nodes to add to this that I, I haven't been able to add yet. Um, there's a lot of work left to do on this, but um, it, it's in a state currently where it outlines um, a lot of the major, uh, what I believe are the major conspirators behind all of this. And you see that a lot of this radiates outward from the Defense Threat Reduction Agency and uh, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DITRA and DARPA. Yeah. And it it's, uh, that wasn't like anything intentional on my part. I just, as I made these links, um, I can, can, uh, hit the um, the layout button and then it will automatically arrange the nodes um, in the most efficient layout to display them in and as it does that we, we see clusters start to form and it shows um, which concepts are most closely related to other ones as well so um, if we zoom in here a little bit uh, let's see if we can zoom in on this on the center DARPA. 
I mean, just just within the first nodes, right? <laughs> yeah, DITRA, DARPA, DOD, um, MIT, Harvard, Battelle. Um, we could spend hours on each one, um, going through who the who these individuals or, or organisations are and the individuals uh, who we who we know have been involved in in the planning aspect of uh, SARS, uh, not SARS, the the move towards um, domination of the biowarfare paradigm. And well, what it is, is it's uh, biodefense and biosecurity as well as uh, transhumanism and uh, tracking of human beings and just in, and intelligence. Oh, wow, you, you've even got the graphics in there. Nice. <laughs> well done, dude. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I still have yet to add uh, graphics to all of the nodes. I'm I'm planning on eventually having like graphics for each individual node and as well as info boxes. Um, a, a lot of these, I mean, I'd say the vast majority of these are, are missing their info boxes. I still have to, to fill out information for a, a lot of these. And once it's done, um, it'll have it'll have links to. Um, well, actually, uh, I just resources I, for each one. I just see Mark Houstonic Live just popped in the chat. He says, "Ditra, I'm listening." Um, I was as as we were talking before the, deciding to do the stream, and I was looking at this, and this this visualization backed up with um, Mark's archived material would become a very very powerful tool, I believe. Um, yeah, I I guess it could be. I mean, if I, so long as I keep at it and add all the connections, um, there's there's a lot left to do. Um, I, I mean, the thing about it is that it, this is just barely scratching the surface. Um, a lot of this links in with the the so-called One Health initiative and the UN. And um, well, obviously, Agenda 2030 and the Sustainable Development Goals, but not just that, but also uh, the United Nations Environment Program and Maurice Strong and all that. You'll notice that a lot of the names that show up in, on these these lists. Um, it's it's all people who are in, involved in like neo-Malthusian stuff, like populate, population control, you know, we're overpopulated, we have to um, reduce the birth rate and so on and so forth to... to um, it, it, it does seem to be a constant theme, I, I have to admit, and to ignore it would be short-sighted in the current environment. Um, we need um, We need wide filters at the moment because of the... Uh, the uniqueness of these events and you know the reduction of population is something that yeah. just goes back formalized goes back decades well uh, actually it goes back centuries well yeah if you want to go Malthusian but <laughs> all, all the way back to the Irish potato famine mm. uh, which was entirely preventable but which they did not because of Malthusian policies <laughs> I've just uh, Mark just says if you if you zoom out, it almost looks like a uh, a hand giving us the middle finger. Which which um, yeah, these people uh, are. <laughs> that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, so we can see that. Look, there's there's a couple of 
you, you can go orthogonally from this, and there's there's so much that I would like to jump on. So the if, um, if you mouse over um, if you mouse over each node, it'll actually show all the connections for just that node. Mm. So, um, it helps it helps filter it down. And yeah, so um, the blood brain I barrier. Yes, I, I, I'll um, get back to that in a second. But I, I see that someone in the chat mentioned that uh, uh, they mentioned Draco. Mm. Um, that's the uh, double-stranded RNA-activated caspase oligomerizer. Mm. Um, this was a uh, an antivirus that was developed as as a um, universal a partnership, partnership. Yep, a uni universal antivirus developed by by DARPA and DITRA, um, and it was invented by uh, Todd Ryder at uh, at MIT. And um, this was actually, they were doing a lot of the work at MIT Lincoln Laboratory in the late 2000s, and this culminated in uh, mouse studies. Um, and uh, this was, um, I believe, in 2010 and 2011. Um, and these, these studies showed positive results. Uh, they show that the antivirus was effective and that it could potentially be used to treat um, pandemic influenza strains or almost anything, really. Um, and and I've, uh, it works is... Just, uh, just, just before you get to the mechanism, dude, I just, I just want to say what, what, what uh, Sparkus is uh, um, talking about here. You can go see uh, the talks and experiments and you can see animals who have where they're literally weighing them and you can see sick versus um rescued animals with this intervention this what this, this wasn't theory it had been started to be deployed at the bench and um yeah if you want to go over some of the the mechanisms this isn't theory folks this this came this like i said why it disappeared is a for a, a I don't know if you have answers. Maybe you have answers, but please, uh, it's a fascinating mechanism. It was one of the most suspicious things I've ever seen, really. The the way that this um, promising therapeutic hit the scene and then just suddenly just disappeared. <laughs> all the grant all the grant money for it dried up and it just vanished. Um, so this this was around um, 2011. I actually saw. Um, Draco on I believe I believe it was the front cover of Popular Science, and uh, started reading through, and they were talking about how Draco was essentially penicillin, but for viruses. This was something that was going to change everything. Um, it was going to be um, a universal vaccine that anyone could take, and in in theory, it could be used to shut down any viral infection to to such a degree that you know it could completely eliminate eventually um, and and potentially eradicate influenza and and so on and so forth. So, um, which uh, you know is kind of optimistic, but um, <laughs> to say the least. But um, it does have a very novel mechanism. Yeah. Um, the the thing about about Draco is that uh, okay. So so most antivirals actually work by inhibiting some aspect of viral replication. Um, so very often they need to be taken prophylactically or or shortly or as post exposure prophylaxis because there's a small window where the virus is replicating and you can kind of halt or or slow down that replication. Um, usually by like oh. You know, 
uh, like oh remdesivir for instance is like a nucleoside analog you know and um and basically what you're talking about here is something that um, to put it in, in simple terms, it goes in there and it takes something that the virus needs uh, to replicate itself and it replaces it with a dummy version of that molecule that's, that's useless for the virus to replicate with. Um, so that's how some inhibitors work. But um, Draco uses a, uses a completely different mechanism. Uh, Draco actually uh, is a protein that is, it's a uh, recombinant, uh, like a fusion protein that is, uh, th that can be synthesized in E. coli bacteria, the same way that recombinant insulin can be synthesized in a, in a bioreactor. Um, so this, this Draco super protein actually consists of a, um, a double-stranded RNA detection domain like protein kinase are, uh, coupled to an apoptosis induction domain, like a apoptotic um, you know, activating factor. Um, so what this, this protein does is it transfects cells and it homes in on double-stranded RNA produced by viral replication. It fuses with it uh, on the, the uh, dsRNA detection domain. It binds to it. And as multiple Draco proteins bind to the uh, double-stranded RNA, uh, the exposed ends of the Draco bind and cross-link procaspases that trigger programmed cell death. Essentially, uh, Draco is a, a protein that instructs uh, virally infected cells to self-destruct. Um, and it does this with perfect specificity to the point where it's it's completely non-toxic to cells that are not infected. Mm. Um, so, and the reason why it's a broad-spectrum antiviral that works on potentially any antivirus, uh, any any virus, is because um, most viruses, um, even like single, even viruses with with ssRNA genomes produce double-stranded RNA as part of their replication process. Mm. So, um, yeah, this is, this is something I've had to, uh, um, you know, I had to wrap my head around this, this, um, the double-stranded RNA, because it's become a sort of gold standard for detection, um, in, you know, test samples that when, when they're doing, um, blended immunohistochemistry and you want to say okay do we see what do we see okay we've got cell nucleus do we see um spike protein and you you can see all of those but it, they've got these tags now for the just the double stranded component which means that it's actively replicating in those cells and um yeah it's it's a very very important concept that people have to um wrap their heads around and this this double stranded um, attack point, which Draco seems to use, um, again very very elegant. And so on my screen right now, we can see the uh, link up, right? So the Draco has grabbed the double stranded RNA, and um, then the uh, caspase comes in and uh, links it up, and then that triggers a lot of uh, downstream. And as Sparkus was saying it's uh it's a form of apoptotic cell death and yeah no cell no no viral replication exactly it, it, so long as 
the Dracos are allowed to get in there early enough before um, a large population of cells have been infected by the virus, um, it completely halts viral replication. Um, what they found was that if they administered it a little bit later, it still worked, but there was more inflammation and more cell death, um, which is pretty much what you'd expect. Um, but uh, yeah, it provided essentially 100% protection against influenza. They they had injected the mice with the Draco, and then they'd inject them with with influenza, potentially even like lethal amounts of influenza, and um, it did nothing. It just complete one completely 100% blocked it. Um, anytime the viruses even begin to try and, and replicate in cells, the Dracos will, that are already resident in those cells, will instantly detect the, the dsRNA that's produced and uh, induce apoptosis in those in the, that small population of cells that are, that are infected. And that, that process completely shuts off. It completely shuts down the replication. They, they, there are no virions being produced. Um, nothing. It's yeah. just completely shuts it down. No accessory um, proteins, nothing to aid the the tilt towards the disease state. And if I'm understand or if I remember correctly, didn't some firm in New Zealand snap this up as a that's as a, on, that's on the chart too. Um, uh, Vitos uh, and Keimer Med and Rick Keisig. Um, to, they took inspiration from Draco for their uh, therapeutic, but they they're trying to avoid uh, stepping on on Dr. Ryder's toes with his patents and whatnot. So, mm. um, and, why why, uh, do, why do you think he dropped off the radar? The thing is, is that. Um, Okay, so DARPA and DITRA, and the, the weird thing is, is that this has really been memory hold to to a huge degree. Um, DARPA and DITRA have been, I mean, they were the ones who were funding this. Um, and their stated goal with, with Draco was to come up with a, with a, um, a universal antivirus that could be used in case of a bioweapon attack. Basically, if there were if there was like a terrorist attack or something, and they wanted soldiers to be able to enter an area, and um, and and not be infected by this uh, by the virus, um, they wanted something that they would work against any virus. Something that um, even even something where they didn't have a vaccine for it and had never seen it before. Uh, a universal antivirus that could work on unrecognized and, and previously unseen um, engineered bioweapons. Uh, that was their stated goal with Draco, was to have something that they could use as prophylaxis um, if, if, they, if they were dealing with something they'd never seen before. Um, and they, they put like, I think like it was, it was like a couple million dollars worth of uh, funding towards this. And uh, it showed positive results in animal studies. It actually, it worked. Um, and it, it didn't cause excessive tissue damage, uh, didn't harm healthy tissue, uninfected tissue. Um, and it was, um, it, it was promising enough that it, it could have moved on to human trials. But it never, but it never moved on to human trials. Um, instead, um, Dr. Ryder's grant funding was was cut off, and um, he eventually resorted to trying to crowdfund the yeah do on, on, on Indiegogo. I'm I'm looking to do the same for um, testing this these 
gene transfection products. Um, yeah. Looked, uh, you know, I've had approval for a, a project submission, but, you know, I was hoping I could get away with sort of pilot study funds and now that the institutes etc you're, you're looking at a couple of million dollars to do this study properly yes and um it, it can be very hard to crowdfund and, and raise enough money to, to do something like that and um i mean with crowdfunding you know people will put like oh millions of dollars towards the the um development of a video game or something but you know if some some guys promising like oh an antivirus that stops like all viruses ever ever mm. um you know he was only i think he was only able to raise like some tens of thousands of dollars or something just barely mm. and mm. and with those campaigns usually if they don't cross a certain threshold then everyone's money is refunded and the campaign is marked as failed so yeah um so um draco actually they, they continued investigating it and testing it in china uh, oh, interesting. Several years later, uh, for for por porcine, uh, was it uh, syncytial virus? Syncytial virus. Yeah. So they, they 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 have a bunch of um, uh, corona. No, sorry, not corona. Um, SARS-like viruses, and the WIV was working. I'm trying to remember the the exact one but um in, an intestinal one and it kills mm -hmm. a lot of piglets and um it's quite a big deal for uh, the well the pork industry oh what's the name of it but you know uh, eco health are associated with it it's uh, it'll it'll come to me but um I believe actually they were I believe they were testing it on uh beta arterovirus suid 1 um uh, formerly known as as porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome virus, mm -hmm. um, and there's there is an article out there. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, hold one second. Yeah, yeah, no problems. And you know, I like I say the the links on this Venn diagram um, are in, encompassing. And it, look, anyone that's been following this uh, for and a couple of years like we have um you, you you're going to recognize a lot here if you're new to what's going on um this this is such a beautiful tool to allow sort of uh, a global peek into how how incestuous these these networks are but they how they link up and the the people that are part of them which is hopefully what um, Spartacus is going to get into and just how they move back and forwards between the these uh, executive positions and at the same time they're um, hobnobbing it um, in at special trans special interest transnational groups like World Economic Forum um, you, you know we were how are you doing with that article dude I, d I don't want to because um, there was so much we were talking about I, I, I want to make sure that you're contributing to to uh the the trains of the trains of thought but um you know something something that sort of came up in our discussion was that it it's not hard not that it's not hard but once you start looking you find these interactions it's and it's there in public and if you just spend a bit of time you start finding these links 
And, you know, is it is it a case that it's too, is it too easy that we're finding? It's kind of disturbing just how easy it is to to start getting onto these these breadcrumb trails because it's it's almost like they wanted to be caught or something. It's I mean the thing is is that so much of this is public information and and the vast majority of my work I'd say about ninety nine point nine percent of it is based on on previously published uh, information that's that's public facing. It's I mean I I have had contact with a couple insiders here and there but they didn't have anything to offer that i didn't already know mm. so it's um it's the thing about it is that if all of this is public and it's out in the open and i was able to to gather this much information from open source intelligence then what does that say about what foreign intelligence services know about what's going on? What does it what does it say about what what um, uh, for instance Russia or or anyone else really um, Sp Spain anyone um, if if it's this easy for me to put, to put this picture together then what about I mean by this point who doesn't know? Mm. Yeah. And on which side of the divide does it really sit? Is it is it a defense program, or is it some well just a hunt for biotech for ever more um, sophisticated widgets? And um, it's a hunt for biotech for social control. Mm. They they are my well from my perspective. I, I personally, I think that they're deathly afraid of uh, the rise of populist movements um, in response to, um, uh, you know, economic issues, um, recessions, uh, resource shortages, and so on. That what they're really afraid of is um, huge public backlash that's going to be coming down the pipe and where, you, where you're seeing more people like the trucker protests, the yellow vests and so on. And what they really want and what this really is, is this is a war um, from, I think, a large percentage of the world's governments against their own citizens. And that's, that's why everything seems so... I mean, you know, why everything about this seems so odd. It's like why it's we, highly it's coordinated. Seen, that's that's why, yeah. It seems like we've been left out of the loop on so much of this, and the reason why is because we are the target. Mm. Yeah. It's um, it, they are targeting civilians on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a dark conclusion that I've I've had to come to. Um. And, you know, I, the, the simple fact of the matter is I feel morally and ethically obliged to put my, my scientific credentials on the line stating this case. Um, I, I, it'll have enormous um, blowback uh, potential. Well, it already has, but... Um, it, look at how much censorship there has been. Look at look at um, how it's it's comprehensive. In I mean, just from top to bottom, the constant 
constant uh, assaults on people's dignity, on people's psyche, the constant gaslighting for the media. It's repulsive. Mm. Um, the the way they, they come out and they, they, they have these advertisements, you know, it's normal for kids to have heart attacks and strokes too. No, it's not. No. The, the way, that, the way they're, they're coming out with these advertisements trying to normalize people collapsing on soccer fields from heart attacks, that's not normal. Mm. Um, that's gaslighting. It's psychological warfare tactics, and it is deliberate. And there is big, big money behind all of this. Yeah, so I'm just sitting there and uh, some big money coming into play right now. And I, I think when we were last talking, I don't, I don't think Ukraine was featuring that much in the conversation, but um, their Metabiota, Ukrainian Biolabs, Nunluga, Black & Veatch, um, again, in my mind, that puts us across the divide into DOD programs. I don't buy that Metabiota is there d doing a public service, uh, trying to track down these uh, <laughs> pathogens that are supposed to be leaping out of forests and rivers. Uh, to... Metabiota uh, specialize in risk analysis. Their whole shtick is, you know, we can take this this like virological research and our, our algorithms that would normally be used for things like, oh, calculating insurance risk mm -hmm. and try and use them to calculate pandemic risk. That's that's their whole deal. Yeah. Um, and they they were embroiled in in scandals before, and I believe in Sierra Leone, where they were involved in, in an outbreak down there. And uh, I believe this is back during like uh, the Ebola outbreak, um, yeah. and they were they were conducting some very very risky research and uh, culturing blood samples and all kinds of stuff that that they were not equipped to do safely. Yeah. Um, and um, they're also linked to the Global Virome Project, mm. which is linked to, to Dennis Carroll and, and USAID. And, and, of course, the United States Agency for International Development is basically uh, suspected to be or basically is a CIA slush fund. Yes. Um, a lot of the money that came out of USAID went straight into EcoHealth Alliance's pockets. Um, not not just from USAID, but also from from um, NIH and the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, and a lot of this was was a part of um, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency's biological threat reduction program. Um, basically, what they're doing is they're conducting illicit bioweapon research, but covering up, covering it up and pretending that it's it's bioweapon disarmament mm -hmm. and bio and pandemic prevention. Uh, they're they're calling it its exact opposite, is that's how they're they're concealing it, and this allows them to do things under a diplomatic cover. This allows yeah. it allows them to to disperse funds to um, quasi NGOs like EcoHealth Alliance, Metabiota, Labyrinth Global Health, mm -hmm. and so on. And then for those. Um, uh, NGOs to to uh, subcontract to laboratories across the globe, like the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the labs in Ukraine. Uh, these DITRA associated laboratories are all over the world. They're mm -hmm. not just in, they're not just in Ukraine, not just in China. I mean, they're in Africa. They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, so well, let's 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 just add a little caveat to that because um, you could you can put uh, Biden. Um, Metabiota's ideologically driven funding of uh, Ukrainian labs for uh, what, what was it? 
um, independent, I think was the yes. word they used. Made, made, a, made a biota, um, received funding from Hunter Biden's, uh, I believe it was a venture capital firm, uh, Rosemont Seneca. Uh, partners and um, Metabiota also published a, uh, a a missive that stated stated that they were like something invested in the independence of Ukraine mm. or something, and that that shows that Metabiota have a political yes. uh, motivation that they're not apolitical. Mm. Um, Metabiota's founder Nathan Wolf, um, he has direct links to Gielan Maxwell mm. and to, to Jeffrey Epstein, to Boris Nikolic, and to Bill Gates, mm. uh, as per uh, Billy Bostickson's research. Mm. Um, oh no, it's a, it, it, it's um, it's to the point where in his uh, his book, um, what's it called? Uh, the viral storm. Yeah, viral storm. But in in the uh, acknowledgments at the beginning, he literally lists Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Yes, I, believe, I believe he also lists Boris Nikolic in there. <laughs> Just um, Boris Nikolic um, was part of the um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and he was also the uh, the executor of Jeffrey Epstein's will. So, and um, Nathan Wolf was also a former member of Gielan Maxwell's Terramar project, mm -hmm. um, along with with numerous other. Uh, CEOs and and um, uh, and it, it's it's a common it's a common um, tactic that they've they've deployed where they're trying to um, so just take the Terramar project as an example where they they were essentially trying to grab the the public commons which is the open sea which essentially is supposed to belong to everyone and uh, uh, commodify it in in the guise of conservation uh, exactly. that's well that's a perfect example of what i mean they call things their opposites mm -hmm. they, they say we're trying to conserve uh, we're, we're trying to prevent pandemics they're, they're trying to cause them they say we're trying to uh, to uh, conserve the oceans they're trying to, to seize the oceans it's, that's they are they are forming these foundations that have as their stated goals the exact opposite of what they actually intend to do with them yeah and you know the, we were looking at one time where um eco health were having a fundraiser where they were literally they were literally selling i don't know i guess stays on an island literally a few miles away from Epstein Island in the, in the Virgin Islands and you know the well this I, it's stretching my memory now but this is going back a few years but you know the there were some high power players in that fundraiser sitting there watching the presentations and i don't know what's what's the back channel selling point uh, you're just a uh, a quick submarine ride away from uh, <laughs> from jeffrey's uh, harem i mean this is uh, pretty much yeah this, these people are gross and uh, they're um they're pretty disgusting mm. uh the thing is is that uh and this all links into um transhumanism and uh human implantation uh with with tracking technology with neuromodulation technology and so on a lot of people don't real don't do a lot of people don't realize this but jeffrey epstein was a transhumanist he yes um, very much so. he used he used to uh 
um, you know, entertain guests uh, that included numerous like scientists who are involved in uh, developing human augmentation tech. Mm. Um, and this stuff really back back in the day, you know, it was it was in a, a fairly primitive state. You know, but it, but it's been ongoing for for decades. This this research into into human augmentation, into neuromodulation, and so on. This this stretches all the way back to to uh, Jose Delgado, mm. and his his bull experiments back in the sixties and seventies, mm. um, as well as Zbigniew Brzezinski's publishing of uh, of his book Between Two Ages, mm. um, and this is this was like all the way back in nineteen seventy. This was back when. They, when they were uh, building ARPANET and everything, this was this was all the way back, like fifty years, um, and they have been patiently waiting that entire time for the technology to become good enough for it to be deployed on a wide scale, um, and. Um, this also pertains to, to the rise of biotechnology and bio-nanotechnology and synthetic biology and their, their potential for weaponization. Um, there is essentially a new Manhattan project's worth of uh, resources being poured into biotech, especially for military applications. This is ongoing. There are hundreds of laboratories involved in this. There is no transparency in, in any of this. People who, who do um, freedom of information requests... Um, well, you can't FOIA these corporations, right? That's why they use them, because they'll just say it's proprietary information. Yeah, we, yeah. People, people who try and FOIA these these laboratories are coming back with completely redacted documents. Mm. There's just nothing, just total contempt for transparency. Mm. They they don't want people to have any idea what they're doing in these bio labs anywhere. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a hubris. There's a hubris about this that just beggars belief. And you know the fact that there isn't a more coordinated pushback from I, I again it. This is one of my pet peeves from from the academy. Ed Hammond, Ed Hammond, and the Sunshine Project tried to shed light on all of this back in, in you know in the two thousands, and then in two thousand eight they they had to fold because they they received no funding. Mm, yeah, so yeah. To continue to continue their investigation into these bio labs because mm. because after um, after Amerithrax uh, and Robert Kodlek going on about how. Um, Oh, you know, the bioterrorists are threatening the the U.S. with anthrax, kind of a deal, right? Mm. We need to expect. He was um, essentially his job security for him and his cronies, but um, he wanted to greatly expand our biolab capacity and. Um, direct millions of dollars towards, um, you know, DITRA, DARPA, BARDA, um, USAMRID, and so on, um, for, uh, you know, for, for bio-warfare research. Um, well, I don't, or bio-defense, bio let's just say. Yeah, medical countermeasures is always the sketchy language that they wrap it up in, and um, the, they characterize it as preventing pandemics yeah. but while doing while doing research that's identical to the research that you you'd need to do if you wanted to cause one. Yes.
Yes. So, um, and that's the loophole that they use. They they are, are researching offensive bioweapons while pretending that they are conducting de- defensive research, and that's how they get around the, the biological warfare convention. Uh, so, uh, Mark, uh, whose tonight live is asking, have you looked into An- Dr. Annalisa Kilborn? Uh, as she pertains to Nathan Wolf. Uh, not yet, but I, it sounds like there's somewhere else you, to add to my chart. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've thought about uh, inviting um, Sufyan on, um, but I'm just wondering, Mark, if you if you want to jump in to this Discord conversation, um, you two linking up it would be awesome. And um if i don't know are you are you open to talking to mark have you spoke to him before i don't think i have oh god mark is um you two are on a different level and um you have uh both of you have this um like i say encyclopedic capability to um remember all these names my dunbar number was uh broken a long long time ago uh but um it's it's great that you guys are around to just uh be picking up these figures like the the guy uh the uh, the summer project you were talking about um what was his name david is it david he got shot down he was he was monitoring these um programs um you know what happened to him where is he I don't know. Um, he, because he could be he could be bringing so much information into the uh, into the public domain right now that that would be so so germane and important to this discussion because of because um, of the history. You know, there's I'm, a video that I want to share with everyone. Um, it's it's a short one. Um, I'll send you a, I'll send you the link. Mm. Um, and this kind of dovetails into the next part that I wanted to get into. Um, if you could just play this uh, two-minute long video for everyone. Uh, sure. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> this is uh, disturbing. This is back in 2013, by the way. The technology has come along much, much further since then. This? Let me just put this back a second. No. This, you guys see it? This pill has a small chip inside of it with a switch. It also has what amounts to an inside-out potato battery. When you swallow it, the acids in your stomach serve as the electrolyte. That's what do. And they power it up, and the switch goes on and off. And it creates an 18-bit ECG-like signal in your body, and essentially hey, your going. entire body becomes your authentication token. Yes, this is true. Okay, but let's, let's just let's just stop there. That's incredibly disturbing to me, right? Yep. Because this isn't um, the, the internalized security token. The um, you know what? I got a Yubi uh, key the other day, um, and. You know, I, I get I get the need for that sort of level of security and the biometric and yeah, it's a pain in the ass to move it about, should you say, to to 
make sure that you do have the cover that you would expect and um it to be internalizing it in this way in pill form right yeah. where um it's easy to take um and uh oh i'm happy to say that mark has jumped into the chat mark can you hear us can we hear you i can hear you guys loud and clear can you hear me i can indeed uh sparkus are you can you hear that i can hear him uh sparkus meet mark mark meet sparkus um we've met before actually um oh of course we did we did the yeah we did the streamed yes yes of course sorry i thought you were talking about a different mark yeah of course yeah we did the second uh we did the second stream but um again uh one of the most watched streams that i've done and um let's let's give it i've i've got I've voiced my objections to what I think what I think is a very very disturbing uh, technology because you just think about how many how easy it is to start swallowing pills and um, it's detectable. So to get into work, you're going to have to have, you don't have to have the chip in your hand. You just need to have swallowed it before your shift. Yep. And th- th- that that bothers me more than the the subdermal um chips as it were that we were looking at one advert this morning that lady right there um in that this interview they're having here um is regina dugan uh she was formerly the director of darpa and then she she went to work for google and then and facebook and now she's working at welcome leap in fact uh, she's i believe she's the ceo of welcome leap in fact if we had my my chart there we can see the relations uh are you familiar with her mark uh regina dugan any relation to um the russian um dugan no no it's spelled differently okay I've uh, been another one of the many, many thousands of names. Mm. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, I haven't heard that one. Um, currently, this the CEO of Welcome Leap, and um, I believe Whitney Webb had an expose on uh, on Welcome Leap and their intentions to uh, to chip infants. Oh God! I mean, I. I... I despise Farah. I despise the Welcome Trust. I I really do think they've become a um, a malevolent institution. Um, it's t- and uh, according to Andrew Huff, the Welcome Trust were linked to EcoHealth Alliance. Yes, as well. Yes. So it's, it's all just one great big incestuous network. Yeah. Like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, very very disturbing should we finish the video just so people um grasp what it is that they're saying because it gets worse yep so wait so it's oh can you can you hear it yes you can okay mark can you hear it mark can you um uh, well i i haven't been on since you started to play it so give it a go okay it's really true. So what this means is that that becomes my first superpower. I... Yes, no. I did not hear it. All right. Try you know, I can try I really this. want this superpower. 
It means that it. my arms are like wires, my hands are like alligator clips. When I touch my phone, my computer, my door, my car, I'm authenticated in. First superpower. Like, I want that. So, so we're not... Yes. Jesus. Um, she, she wants that. She wants that in the plebs. She wants, she wants that and what's left of the uh, human workforce that's there to uh, patch up the robots. Walk up to your Tesla and uh, mm. authenticate it without having any key fob. Just authenticate and enter with your body. Yeah. And <laughs> the Tesla. Wait for a minute. I'll be back. Sure, uh, sure. I'll be back in a couple minutes. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, again, we get into this issue where they're... Um, People, people will have to take that every day. It's less objectionable than the idea of, um, you know, quantum dots on your skin and everything because they can claim, oh, it'll just pass through you. There's, yeah. there's, there's no issue here. And, uh, and, and it's really creepy when she's talking about her arms becoming wires and her legs becoming like alligator clips. What what a disturbing um, vision of uh, <laughs> yeah man. yeah it's pretty uh, it's pretty out there yeah it's dark man it's dark all right so um, this I have this this link here this is uh, an investigative report by Whitney Webb uh, last year June twenty fifth twenty twenty one a leap toward humanity's destruction and. Um, that um, let's see here. Um, one of the the um, the titles here uh, for for one of the sections here states uh, leaps leadership merging man and machine for the military and Silicon Valley. Mm. Um, they they teamed up with a pair of former DARPA directors who built Silicon Valley Skunk Works to usher in an age of nightmarish surveillance, including for babies as young as three months old. And I mean, they're seriously discussing um, incorporating tracking technology, smart dust into the and, and such into the human body. Um, and and this, of course, ties into the World Economic Forum and and the Rand Corporation going on about the Internet of Bodies, and and so on, and so forth, trying to normalize this sort of. Um, human augmentation and whatnot. Mm. Um, not only that, um, I should mention that, that Kaigam Gabriel, the COO of Welcome Leap, was previously the head of the Draper laboratory where Draco was developed. Um, so this is like I said, look, I, I, I'll add this as a sort of caveat. The research world is small. Right. Um, it takes it takes a particular type to um, stick it out because a lot of the time, most most researchers are on short term contracts. It's often unless you're uh, Dugan here, you you're on less than stellar pay, and you um, you meet everyone at, at, at international meetings, so you. you it's not like, and you follow people's publications in, in your area. And right now we're getting a lesson in that um, you can't be, you can't be siloed anymore. You've got to look out at, at what's happening down the corridor, what these people are doing. And um, 
something like a, a, a well, an authenticating pill that you can you would have to swallow. They would make you swallow it. Because it's 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 not like say they shut you down, right? For uh whatever reasons. Um right. whatever new variant comes around the corner or or uh environmental reasons and they don't need the phone anymore. They'll reject the phone because phones could be passed around, right? <clears throat> and it will require this internalized and um, n n daily updating. Well, they they actually have, have openly discussed this. I believe at the world. I think it was at the World Economic Forum. Um, they were they were going on about how um, in the future nobody will have phones. They'll just have implanted technology that functions like a phone. Mm. So basically, you'll have a brain-computer interface that can pipe audio into your head, so you can hear someone else speaking, remote, long distances, um, and it'll uh, read off your voice from from sensor from implanted sensors, and then transmit that over over the network to like to like a cell tower or something. So your whole body becomes a cell phone. Mm -hmm kind of a deal that's what they were actually discussing um and you, you can see how even how nowadays uh smartphones have become uh central to uh people's so-called digital identities yes. how, how smartphones are used uh for for authentication uh for cashless payments um you know you can use uh, near field communication on a smartphone nfc um to uh to make a payment in an NFC-enabled reader, um, that's essentially using the sm your smartphone as a form of identification. Yeah, so that's that's your your debit card, uh, your, your smartphone doubling as a debit card for cashless payments, kind of thing. So what they want is for, people, for someone to just swipe their hand on like an NFC reader, for instance, um, and which they're doing um, already. Um, Amazon, I think, has these stores now where you just you flash your palm over the well, essentially a scanner barcode type deal at the at the checkout and uh, off you go and yep <laughs> all sold on the idea of convenience for this the, they're the, trying to normalize um a total invasion of everyone's privacy through a harmonized system of digital identification biometrics and so on um and uh, this is all part of um, what? What is it like? Uh, what do they call you? ID twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. It's essentially it's a it's a UN initiative. Um, well, 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 it's it's U, Chinese UN model. UN associated rather. It's the, um, it's the Chinese uh, social score, social construct model, and they're they're telling you. What, what they're going to do, what their intentions what are, and um, what they what they want is to go to an all cashless economy. They want to eliminate cash entirely, and they want it set up such that uh, private property, as we know it, is completely replaced with servitization, as everything is a service. Like if you want if you want a, a um, to have a car, you have to lease it or, or rent it or um, or hail a driverless cab. If you want a bike, you have to, to rent one kind of a thing. They don't, they don't want people to have a high net worth. Like They want average people to, to be stuck um, leasing things from, from a, a select yeah. elite 
who, who own all the assets. Yeah. And the reason why they want this is because um, basically they, they want to they want to steal from all of us. Yes, uh, I mean quite I mean quite quite blatantly Physically actually. Um, the thing is, they want they want to take all our assets, all our private property, pool it in their hands, and then lend it out to people. And and the reason why they want to do this is because the current system, um, as it, as it stands, um, it has has issues. It has. I mean, periodically you'll end up with these these economic bubbles that collapse uh, because of all of the um, oh you, you know um, like for instance the financial meltdown. Uh, with derivatives in 2008 and and then in late 2019 uh, Wall Street ran out of money and the overnight repo market and, and such and they had a liquidity crisis so um, every now and then the architects of high finance are like oh well we ran out of gambling money mm. so they get they get pit and every time this happens every single time this happens um, People accelerate it because we we just instinctively start saving money. Um, they, I mean, we we keep more money in our savings accounts, anticipating disaster, right? Um, you know, co increased commodity prices over over time and so on, and um, th that always accelerates a, re a recession and turns it into a depression when people save money. So th that's why they've been trying to try to normalize like a Giselle currency and cashless economy because what they want to actually do is they want to give people a universal basic income and they want it to expire. They don't want people to, to save to be able to even save money. They want people to, to be just be kept artificially at a certain net worth and uh, n never rise above that. No upward mobility whatsoever, just permanently locked in this surf cast. Mm. And um, what they and the reason why they want this is because they want to maintain an artificially high velocity of money. Um, they this is the the great reset is a massive rent seeking exercise. Yes. Um, that's that's all it is, and it's uh, it, this fundamentally has to do with currency. Um, it has to do with with the markets. It has it has nothing to do with public health, whatsoever. Right, and, uh, and, and driven by the commodification of your behavior. This is where the impact officers uh, arrive well, on mass. It, they're commodifying human behavior and because they want your data. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's the only thing of value that people have to offer to the, to the overclass once they have automated away um, a, lot, a great deal of menial labor and even uh, creative labor. Mm -hmm. Look at, look at Dolly and uh, Mid Journey, those AI image generators and stuff. They're, they're trying to, um, mm -hmm. to automate things that we, we once thought impossible to automate, like uh, 2D art, the ability to, uh, to paint and draw. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're, they're trying to, to come up with AI to perform specialized AI in, on cloud-based services running on like uh, G NVIDIA GPGPU blade racks. Mm -hmm. um, they, they want to, to, um, to have specialized uh, machine learning algorithms for every conceivable task. Um, basically, another if things keep going the way they are, then another twenty years there won't be any jobs for people to do. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, people, it'll it'll be like that that CGP uh, Gray uh, 
video was it like uh, humans need not apply or whatever it was um the automation automation is going to rob people of of so many jobs Mm -hmm. that you're going to be looking at widespread homelessness and unrest in one place after another well um the, the answer is video games and drugs um, they, yes, exactly. And just like uh, Yuval Noah Harari was saying, you know, we just don't need so many people on this planet. We don't have any use for you. Mm. Yeah, what a what a um, malicious and malignant individual he is. Uh, uh, well, he's not alone. It's it, I mean, there are literally dozens and dozens of these these people who are saying the, this the same neo Malthusian crap, mm. insisting you know that that. They're, you know, we're overpopulated. Um, automation is going to make all of you obsolete. Mm. It's like it's like the Twilight Zone. It's yeah. like that one tr- uh, that one episode. You know, <laughs> the, the, obsolete the, man. The, uh, the the mitigated goal of of someone like Harari, who is literally an evolutionary dead end sodomite, telling people that that you're not allowed to engage in what is one of the fundamental drives of human beings it's well it's right there on maslow's hierarchy of needs you can't do without the things that they're trying to make people do without and uh look it's written dude it's in it's uh go forth and uh, prosper right multiply and i mean the thing about it is that they want people to have substitute um reward they want people to to have surrogate activities um to paraphrase um ted kaczynski (laughs) they want people to have to to um to engage in surrogate activities that provide the fulfillment of things that that we that normally used to to be found on you know on maslow's hierarchy of needs you know you know um food sex companionship etc so they want to take all of these things and replace them with um, artificial fulfillment, yeah. literally like like piping um, euphoria into people's heads, yeah. uh, like wireheads from Larry Niven's Ringworld. Literally, yeah. I mean they um, they have been researching using like deep brain stimulation electrodes yeah. on on people's nucleus accumbens to treat depression, anxiety, alcoholism, yeah. and that's that's identical to like wireheading from from like ring world that's i mean that's that's ex- that's exactly that, that it was that's, my job. Uh, that was my job I, bro. It, right to the i mean straight to the pleasure center mm-hmm. just zap someone's brain they can live in a shanty town it can be exactly like one of those leonardo of biz parodies someone can live in, in like a little um a gray tiny little pod hotel hovel um and and experience the same euphoria as if they were living in a mansion yeah. kind of a deal or an eating caviar every day they can they can wear vr goggles and pretend they're they're on a beach in cancun yeah that's what they want for people they yeah. want people to have this threadbare um hyper efficient existence uh where we use where we have no carbon footprint where we use hardly any natural resources whatsoever where our actual wealth is practically nil but where we exp- experience the the uh, uh the euphoria associated with having wealth just piped into our heads as a replacement as a, as a substitute and why go through all that effort of providing the artificial 
experience of life for all these people that they don't actually want to be alive in the first place. Because they need a few people around to gather their brain data. That's that's the only reason why they want to keep around even a, a few hundred million people is because the people that they want to preserve are going to be used as essentially a data farm to harvest information from mm. continuously. I mean, I, neural in, neural information that they will be used to train the next generation of AIs and that neural information that they can monetize just like they monetize other forms of big data today. I, I would I would just add, add this. Sorry, Mark. Um, that the I don't think that there's the need so much for direct penetrating electrodes. I I, I honestly most most people are. It's enough with a screen, and an interaction, and you improve the tech. So I don't know. You've got high resolution retinal projection. Right. That's that's they, enough. They have numerous they have numerous ways that they can gather data from from people now. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, they, if you have a front facing camera on your device, mm -hmm. they can use AI algorithms to enhance the video taken from that camera, and they can they can use that as a lie detector. They can actually see what they can actually tell what your heart rate is using image enhancement, and they can see the the flashing of red on your skin from your heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. And so no, and what? and like you all know, Harari was saying, you know, if you have these sensors all over the place, you can you can see the physiological predicates of certain emotions. So, like if you have like a dictator, some kind of dictatorship, um, someone can be looking at can I mean, and, and everyone's televisions have cameras in them in this in this hypothetical dictatorship. Um, they they know when someone is watching like a. Um, Oh, some kind of uh, public service announcement showing the dictator's face, and uh, they can they can take uh, video of all the viewers' faces, and they can see what their uh, their reactions are and what their emotions are. And if somebody, um, you know, has like this expression of disgust, or if they, or even if they have like physiological signs like uh, altered breathing, altered heart rate, then they can send the secret police over and like we noticed that you um, seem to have some problems with our um, our you know. Our our cult of personality figure here so um yeah I, I they mean, I, i'm they can 100 agreement and you know what was i doing in in those monkeys when doing deep brain stimulation but the idea was we'd we'd worked very very hard to control conditions around the primate we're sat in a chair and we've got him doing some cognitive tasks that we we infer is important for trying to understand brain states but the real and this is what i was doing was taking that and um watching free moving animals while recording these these brain states and then interrupting because generally that's what you did with stimulation it was more an interruption of ongoing behavior to switch states and that's they have, they have siloed um huge numbers of uh, teams of scientists out there um where they have absolutely no idea what they're working on and until they reflect on it years later yeah yeah it's it it is just 
incredible the, the degree of compartmentalization in all of this uh, i've seen i've seen stuff from whistleblowers i've seen stuff from people who kind of like looked back on all of, uh, all of the, the work they did in retrospect and considered how it could have been used for evil you know and it's like there are testimonials from a number from numerous people out there about all of this so um it's uh it's really it's just you're not alone. It's, um, I mean, there, there are people all over the place who are being misled, scientists in high places who are being entirely misled about the nature of their work. They're being told, you know, you're going to be working on a brain computer interface to help paralyze people. That sounds great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, there's nothing malicious about that. Oh, and, and, and then, and then right? in the background, people funding it are like, ha ha, we're going to use this for social control and we're going to zap bad problematic thoughts out of people's heads and, and the demonstrations that exist right now with look i i know people personally neurosurgeons who, who have who have been putting in these deep brain stimulating electrodes and um yeah they they, they colloquially call it the mirth center as their um as they're tracking through electrodes so that they can make a decision about if they've hit the right spot for the stimulator and yeah the Look, and we know from rodent experiments from uh, medial forebrain fiber stimulation that those rodents will uh, forego everything um, to press the bar to get stimulation into those regions of the brain. Um, this is a... It's, it's being used clinically right now. And they, they had an experiment recently where they treated um, severe depression by um, implanting a neural pacemaker into this, into this woman um, who, I mean, she had like um, just totally treatment resistant depression. None of the antidepressants were working. Um, and this neural pacemaker would look for a signal from her amygdala that indicated that she was experiencing stress. And then it would, it would zap her nucleus accumbens to, um, to try and produce euphoria to, to counteract that. Yeah. And look, this is, I've sat with the like head of Medtronic and I've told them that that stimulating those regions unlike the technology developed from trying to treat motor disorders parkinson's that that type of thing and we know that there or i can demonstrate that you can induce rhythms of activity in these forebrain regions around nucleus accumbens and it's it's lethal um, you, you get the right rhythm and in the right spot and you can go from a perfectly healthy animal with nothing wrong and every it's like an autonomic collapse and that's a kill switch yes yes uh, they, they can they can literally turn off anyone they want yeah and i i'm i would put forward the conjecture right now uh is it francis Plummer? the uh frank frank Plummer, yep nml yeah um he just died well suddenly <laughs> sudden sudden onset deaths whilst in the ethiopia and he he had been fitted with one of these devices and i'm telling you you give me because the uh the the device that controls the pacemaker it's uh wireless you give that to me and i could shut you down yep and you know i've got um hours hours of primate footage with with that occurring 
He yeah. knew too much. He was the uh, like one of the head guys at, at Canada's NML, yeah. the National Microbiology Laboratory. I believe their own, their only P four lab is that is that correct? Well, Mark is and NML um, had something going on in 2019 where they had these, these Chinese scientists there who were um, taking, I believe, Ebola and Nipah viruses and smuggling them out of the facility. Um, Mark, if you want to um, chime in here because uh, you've covered this at great depth. Did Mark, Mark disappear? I think he disappeared. Oh, he said, "I'm sorry, I can't stay. Let's do a show together sometime soon." Yeah, yeah, okay, we have to. But he, 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 see, he, see, he headed off. Yeah, never mind. But he's um, he's done a lot of work on um, the Winnipeg Laboratory, and um, again, there there seems to be some, some how would you say friction? I guess uh, Frank Plummer did not like Anthony Fauci. Um, there was a long-standing. I don't. I don't. I don't know how, if it was a public feud per se, but I, I do. I do think um, there was a uh, certain disrespect from Fauci towards Plummer, and Plummer just. I think, yeah, like you said, knew too much. And yeah, yeah. Like I say, put in one of those devices, and if it's like I say, if they've, you know, it's the difference of millimeters, whether you really hit that spot or not. I suppose you could jack the current up, um, and the, well, yeah, <laughs> kill switch. But um, let's uh, so we've we've gone through, um, well. <laughs> Actually, so there's quite a lot more in that chart, I believe. Yeah, so, you know, we, 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 maybe we should talk a little bit again about the uh, N3 Brain Initiative Program um, because a lot of the the, the stimulation technology um, is has come from that. Um, you know, deep brain um, stimulation was part... So this is... This is so I, mean, I believe I've, I've spoken about some of this before and, and I have uh, written about this both on the, the, the original Spartacus letter and um, on the blog. And um, the thing about this is that DARPA are intimately connected to this uh, brain-computer interface research. And what their, their claims are that... Um, uh, you know, they're planning on using it to allow soldiers to control prosthetic limbs mm -hmm. and to control drones with their mind and, and stuff like that. And they, what they're, they're afraid of, essentially, is, uh, or, what they, or what they claim is, that they're afraid of, is that countries that have um, lower bioethical standards like China are going to leapfrog ahead of the U.S. and we're going to lose, like, uh, tactical and strate strategic surprise because there'll be, like, Chinese super soldiers who have a brain-computer interface that, that gives them, like, 200 IQ and lets them control swarms of, swarms of drones with their minds, and they'll have spies that have photographic memory and stuff like that. So, And what, what they want is they want to be able to, um, you know, get kind of, like, uh, get ahead of them on that. So that what we're talking about here is essentially uh, an arms race, uh, yeah. one that one that has seen very very little uh, coverage in the media. Well, essentially none. Well, the problem um, is, is that uh, as you said before, it comes with the, uh, the the sales pitch of we're going to help the broken and paralyzed. 
Well, they're going to help wounded soldiers, and then there's a fine line between that and them, for instance, taking someone who has post-traumatic stress disorder from, from combat and then just zapping their anxiety away so they can go right back into combat. Mm. Yeah. You know, stuff like stuff like that. Mm. You know, that's that's what that's another thing that they're looking into is you know taking people who are psychological wrecks and recovering them to to send them back out in the field again. Uh, essentially reducing human soldiers to um, bio-robots that they can just, you know, turn towards a target and then let her rip, mm. well, you know. I, I, I would say in, in the short term, um, maybe, maybe there might be programs for, you know, really elite special forces. You made a good point about um, augmented memory with um, for, like, spies. Right, so that they can just they can just see and remember. The, the CIA are interested in in the possibility of enhancing hippocampal yeah. uh, capacities, so that that's so that someone can go in and they can make notes of things like a savant without um, needing any like physical sensor devices. They're like on that person that are obvious, like a, like a camera or something that could be that could be discovered. You know. Uh, Hang on, someone's just telling me about the echo. Turn off what the mic in OBS. Let the voice come through desktop sound. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Okay. I can hear you. I'm I'm not sure. Anyway, um, but yeah, going going back to hippocampal stimulation, and again, you can you can look in the literature and you can find examples of them demonstrating um, these effects. This uh, these programs are ongoing. Again, these are people that I know personally. They have it on video of, of people receiving hippocampal stimulation, I believe, using uh, elect electrodes and implanted electrodes, and it shows people who had like like uh, short-term memory deficits and stuff reading reading off sequences of digits, and then all of a sudden, uh, after the stimulation, they were able to to recall when before they had they, their impairment made them completely incapable of recalling any of the digits. Yeah, and look at a. At a... Um, neuroscience level, there's a there's a just a question of is it just um, rather than memory, more uh, what's the uh, it's more that they're not motivated. Motivated is the right is the wrong uh, description, but they're, they're um, you, like you. You drink coffee, right? You're you're more alert. It's a, it's about the, yeah alert, alert. more st more stimulation, more excitation of those networks. Yeah, and um, is it really is it really enhanced memory or just that you found a, a good way of um, you know making someone more alert, more cognizant of their their environment, much like a general stim uh, yeah like a shot of caffeine, like a, like a like a stimulant. Yes, yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I, I'm not sure about the specifics of of some of these these experiments that they've done, but I I do know that they're very interested in, in hippocampal stimulation for, uh, yeah, for memory well, formation and the like. So, um, and I, be I believe they did these experiments with mice where they were do they had like an artificial implanted hippocampus like substitute that that actually worked 
this I'm. I think I think they they chemically lesioned the uh, hippocampus on these mice, and then they they gave them this implant that that acted essentially as a relay to replace uh, a large portion of the hippocampus in the circuitry. And what it would do is it would. It, I mean, they were able to form memories again. They were able to navigate mazes and whatnot. That sounds quite amazing to me. I have to see if I can find a, a reference. I think that was that. Um, this was years ago. Let me let me see if I can find it. Um, so uh, here you can see like um, deep brain stimulation of uh, hippocampus um, in humans, but the removal. Uh, I want I want to I want to see I want to see where they've lesioned it and been able to replace function that would that would that would um that would be a significant leap um in technologies right now and um you know if you put if you just put deep brain stimulation in my name you know there'd be a whole bunch that comes up <laughs> This is this is strange. This is strange. I, I I can't seem to find it. This I, re I distinctly recall this uh, research. This was sometime in the mid 2010s. This was actually quite a while ago. Um, I um, it's very strange that I can't I can't seem to find it right now. But um, yeah, they were they were conducting this research with these uh, with like an artificial hippocampus implant kind of a thing, and this was years and years ago. Um, it was very very odd. Um, I mean, how far ahead of the curve they seem to be with that research. So, um, and um, okay. Anyway, so uh, moving on. Um, here on the uh, on the chart, um, let's see. Let's see here. Um, uh, if we mouse over Charles Lieber, yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, he Monta is a colleague Radio. of Robert Langer, yeah. uh, a a big wig at uh, uh, bio nanotechnology guy, and well, essentially like nanotech drug delivery guy uh, from MIT, uh, who's one of the co-founders of Moderna. Yeah. Charles Lieber was working on. Um, Essentially, brain-computer interface technology for the Chinese, yeah. and he was doing he was doing so against the terms of his government grants. I mean, Charles Lieber was receiving uh, grants from from MITRE, uh, the Air Force, the Navy, DARPA, um, and and so on. And uh, but the terms of his his DoD grants stated that you know he wasn't allowed to double dip and take money from China, but he he was like. Um, engaging in like wire fraud and tax evasion and taking like uh, something like hundreds of thousands of dollars from the from the Wuhan University of Technology as part of the Thousand Talents plan uh, because the, because China were were for obvious reasons very interested in his silicon nanowire technology and how it could be used to probe neurons um, in, in in lieu of uh, patch clamp electrodes I believe I mentioned this in the in our previous streams uh, essentially the idea behind these silicon nanowires is these things are tiny they are like oh, i think it's something like one four thousandth the diameter of a human hair it's something they're very 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 small we're talking about down to the size of, of proteins and viruses and they can be coated with like a lipid coat or with um like hiv tat 
um, to wow, that, uh, that, you know transfection tags. Uh, and for for uh, people in the audience who might be a bit confused about this and hear HIV and think, oh no, uh, human uh, immunovirus, right? Uh, but the thing is, is that HIV TAT is a single protein isolated from HIV that is used in genetic research all the time. They use it as a transfection tag. It's, it's what's called a cell penetrating peptide. Um, you, can, you can link it to, to cargo and it will cross the cell membrane and carry it into the cell. Mm. Um, One of the critical, so, critical things that Lieber leveraged it for is that it forces out essentially a antenna or hook that enables those FET electrodes to to better clamp to uh, neurons and um, essentially what they were promoting it as is a, a, a non-invasive type well I mean you know oh, less invasive, invasive type of electrode <laughs> um, to uh, to analyze cell activity mm. but yeah um, it's the footprint for uh, a neuralace type um, technology it's it's beyond what um elon musk is doing where they're, where they're trying to sort of go in and put very, very oh someone someone just posted it in uh in the channel um uh artificial hippocampus stuff it's 2003 wow the f longer f much further back than i thought um Alberto, let me see if i can uh, copy and paste that in, into the and uh, thanks to um, Alberto, yeah. who posted that, yeah, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's a well, a force, a force behind uh, the operation we're doing here. And uh, salute to you, sir. Uh, if you're you're a blessing. But um, let's see. I want to see how they've they've damaged tissue. I want to see if they've lesioned it out. I'm not sure if hmm, I, I thought they le oh, they chemically lesioned it or well it's like there's a difference there's a difference between damaging and having some sort of um, parenchyma and structure still uh -huh. still there than there being a um, electro electrolytically burned out uh, oh yeah right so it, it would. Um, it would surprise me if they were able to completely destroy uh, the pathways and recover it. Now, I'm just by inferring what's on the picture, you know, the what is that? Enterhinal cortex, maybe. Yeah, it looks like it's just a section of it that they that they uh, yeah. replace, not not the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, it, it's, but still, it's what it's doing is it's ago. it's relaying across a break. Yes, yeah, and this this is something so. that we've been explored a lot, and I, I I can give you an example where they're they're using it, and we know that there is a complete resection of the tissues. Again, this is my colleagues at Mayo Clinic, and what they were able to do is pass. Um, uh, sort of surface electrodes uh, across the spinal cord and were able to restore function in despite a complete transection and they don't have a um, a good a good mechanism as for why, why that might be let me just see if I can um, pull that up so uh, Mayo Kendall the 
final record recovery. And I think they published it in Nature a few um uh few I wanna say two years ago. Um yeah, is it this one? Yeah, I believe so. Um, let me just play this. How long is this? Three minutes. You can hear this. Jared Shinnok was paralyzed from the waist down after a snowmobile accident in 2013. But five years later, he's able to walk again with assistance. To be able to move uh, my legs and to walk, even to stand, it means a lot. That there's hope for not only me, but other people. In an experimental procedure, doctors at the Mayo Clinic implanted an electrical stimulation device that zaps his spinal cord below the site of his injury. We were able to stimulate yeah, Kendall. Yes, yeah, I've been out so many times with him. And uh, he's a good guy. Uh, I like him. Um, amazing. Yeah, br brilliantly talented surgeon. Spinal cord itself. And we believe that that was very important to be able to regain the volitional control or voluntary control. A month later, Chinock's first big breakthrough came when he was able to voluntarily move his legs. Felt in awe and excited. With rigorous physical therapy, Chinock is now able to walk while balancing with a rolling walker during physical therapy sessions. One time, the equivalent length of a football field. His progress highlighted in a paper published in the journal Nature Medicine. Over time, we were really excited to see the results and to see that he was able to achieve something more functional. The research is the latest in the quest to help people with spinal cord injuries gain control and function of paralyzed limbs. Dr. Sharla Fisher, who was not part of the study, says the results are encouraging. I think the results of the study are exciting and we'll have to wait and see where they go. Um, but I think it does give hope to some patients with spinal cord injury. In a separate study at the University of Louisville, four more paralyzed patients are also testing this approach. Two of them eventually were able to walk with assistants like Chinock. That study is published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Further research is underway to understand why some patients are responding <laughs> to the stimulator <laughs> and how it might help others. We still have a long way to go before we can optimize this therapy, make it relevant to other patients. The spinal stimulator isn't a cure. Chinock can't feel his feet or legs and when turned off, he can no longer voluntarily move. Chinock credits a woman he met after his accident for giving him the strength to endure his rigorous therapy, which he undergoes several times a week. The girl that helped me is now my wife, and she pushes me hard. Again, Chinock, um, willing to push the bounds of technology and his body to make big strides towards his goals. Now, who doesn't want technology like that, right? Right. And and the thing about this is that um, this is exactly how they're able to lure very talented scientists um, towards this type of work is that, um, you know, a lot of it does have 
um, therapeutic utility. Yeah. Uh, it, it can, it does, some of it does have a positive use. Mm -hmm. So if you have a brain computer interface in, uh, that is gathering motor signals, um, from, from someone's brain, you know, you could, you could relay them to a prosthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, you could, you could even relay them across a, a, a break. Um, if they have like a, um, damage to their spinal cord, you could, you could implant something on the, on the other side of the break and, uh, relay something to their, ex the existing tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, if, I mean, just so many opportunities here. Um, with, look, with neuroscience. I, I, I know Kendall, right? The surgeon that, that did that work, right? He's, he's a, um, humanitarian, right? He wants to help people. And, you know, if, if you're a patient under his care, um, you can be sure that, uh, at, at any moment, should you need his help, because he does a whole bunch of, um, not just spinal cord surgeries, spinal cord but you know things for epilepsy and uh, of course movement disorders, the uh, the limbic stimulation, which is what I was working with him on, and um, Tourette's as well. And th these are these are good people. Um, I, I I I wouldn't sit here and and you know I but part of what I want to do um, is to. I, I think there's been a lot of trust eroded because of what's happened in the last two and a half years where we've seen a um organized how would you say propaganda push and um essentially excuse making to try to stop the gaze of people looking at the work that was being done around viral technology the the transfection technology and um i i yeah, I, I, I guess in, in this bit, I would just say these, there are decent people out there trying to trying to do the right thing. It's when DARPA get involved. It's when, um, you know, there's this work being done that's outside the purview of the public, which, as we were talking about at the beginning, is taking place across the, across labs um, in countries that just don't have the oversight. Yeah, you know it's, uh, the study that I was I'm planning on doing. I, I would say I've officially started right now. Um, you know, th there's a reason why I want to go and do it with an accredited institution, right? Because it it adds weight, and it's look these people are prepared to do the study. It's it's the it's there's a cost to doing that you see you see all that equipment and all those people that costs millions and millions of dollars yeah. and we're looking to try and do the same right now to compete at, at essentially an international level and and doing uh, doing experiments that could have serious blowback for the institutes that are doing it and I'm, you know what, I might have figured out the uh, echo. It's, it's really sad because a lot of this technology could actually be used to help people in need. Yes. But it, but it has been captured by the military industrial complex yeah. who are, who are aiming to use it for, um, 
some really nefarious ends. Really, well, it, and it goes. It, it's goes beyond military. It goes to the corporate layer, and this unless the public start demanding that there's a, a bigger separation. That, that we. Well, it, they're not. They're not going in that direction. They're going towards, you know, sta- Davos men style stakeholder capitalism. They're going towards private public partnerships and quasi NGOs that are they're linked in with governments, um, forming essentially a a another layer of governance that that's invisible to the public and has no accountability whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing about it is that um, you know we we can talk like all we want about how we want to get away from that but the wealthiest people on the planet are colluding with our politicians right now to try and, and move us closer yeah. to that that system yeah. and it's what it essentially is I mean some people have tried to call it, call it fascism other people have tried to call it communism people don't even know what to call the, the call it do you call it technocratic managerialism do you call it neoliberalism we don't even have we don't even have a word for what these people are trying to do mm. well it's, it's 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 a soft totalitarianism that they're trying to bring about that is completely um beyond the bounds of national sovereignty that that has absolutely no connection whatsoever to what private citizens want yes it, it, a system that makes our votes completely irrelevant mm. well, oh they just make you vote the way that they want <laughs> which they do already that was happening in europe as a, as a essentially federal system and they would they would put um Today they manipulate the vote. Tomorrow they'll manipulate people's brains to make them vote for who they want them to vote for. Yep, and we're at a um, a, a very important juncture in history right now. And again, I, I will bring I will bring up the discussion. We are, we are at a juncture in history where we have to decide how we want to be ruled and by whom, very very quickly, mm. or we're or we're all in deep trouble. Yes. We're, we're, we're go- if we don't, if we don't act now, we're going to be stuck in a form of tyranny that we, that we will not have any capacity to escape from. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be a- anything that any of the pathways that we've had with respect to petitioning these institutions as the corporate, the stakeholder model takes over. You're not going to have government institutions anymore. You literally—it's going to be like ringing your goddamn bank or trying to get hold of Amazon because you've had a shitty order uh, come through, and we're just—we're uh, days to weeks really from them sort of snapping the jaw shut on this right now. And uh, you know, all all it would take is for them to shut down the internet and then yeah. impose martial law. Yep. Yep. And then and then that's that's it. It's over. There's there's no more sharing of information except maybe over ham radio or sneaker net. Mm. Well, there's I'm, there's I'm, nothing. I'm looking at stuff right now, and I'm I'm thinking really hard uh, with with my team about how to maintain comms should they take out DNS 
level communications. Think how many people would go literally insane within minutes of them losing contact with their with their with the internet. Everyone on everyone on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram would collectively lose their marbles. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with that. And um that that could be a very, very dangerous situation. It's it's And them them losing their marbles would, would create mass unrest. Yes. And it, it provides another excuse to deploy uh, uh, or ratcheting up the authoritarianism to the, to the point where they say, oh, we've got to, we've got to uh, intervene here for the, for the common good. That's, that's where it's going. And, you know, the, the, have you seen um, Ouch's wife? Like, she's I'm not, no, she's, she's, I don't really believe I have. So she's high up in the NIH. Right, and what what she talks, she she gives sort of discussions about uh, ethical standards and what what metric we should be using to um, comport ourselves as as a society and culture, and and basically it's it's an overriding of individual sovereignty for the idea of the common good, and we see who's setting the idea of the common good. And I'm well, well. The what did you call it? Uh, technocratic managerialism. Yes. I, I, the I'm, the thing is, is that if you look at what was it? Um, I believe it was Adam Curtis's. Is that right? Um, one second, let me look it up right here and double check. Oh, the uh, um, yes, Adam Curtis um, and his documentary Hypernormalization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he um, basically what he was arguing was that uh, the ruling technocrats have created an, created an artificial reality for people to live in, um, and that's what we're, uh, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing um, people are are kind of just just barely being able to pierce the veil of this artificial reality. Um, in this artificial reality, there are, you know, there are, are good guys and bad guys, you know, um, we have, we have entrepreneurs, they have oligarchs, uh, we're good, Putin's bad, um, the Cold War is coming back, and, well, it's basically, it's, it's this, um, kind of a, a motley cast of, of global, like, essentially like comic book characters, where, where world leaders are reduced to these, these um cartoons essentially it's it's a very very simplified view of the world that's that's foisted on the public mm-hmm. it's as it's like the it's it's this matrix essentially it's this it's a layer of reality over reality that the kind of it's the superimposed over it mm-hmm. and the the reality the the reality of governance of global governance is one of essentially managerialism it's it's one of 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 you know game theory and people going through nash equilibria for and and determining you know what policies they should implement and and really um when you uh actually objectively look at at world leaders 
you know, it's like almost all all these these people are in bed with each other. Yeah. You know, they, they, they show up at the G8 and the G20, and they, they laugh in their back rooms and decide how many of the, the plebs they're going to send to massacre each other the next year. Yeah. You know, they pretend, they feign in public to be, to be enemies, but, in, you know, behind closed doors, it's world leaders against all of us. So you, you think the war in Ukraine is more a... Uh, mechanism for uh, not staged I, I mean uh, people people are very obviously suffering but you you're of the opinion that that's more geared towards shaping the maps and the systems for these organizations these entities correct damn that's dark they they don't care how many people they kill to accomplish this they, they literally, we are dealing with sociopaths on, on such a level that they honestly just don't give a damn about human life. They don't, they don't care how many people have to die for, for them to have their assets, for them to have their territory. They never have. I mean, even going back 2,000 years, they didn't care. Back, back in the time of ancient Rome, it's the same exact thing. They've been doing the same, the same people have been doing the same thing for, for thousands of years, luring people with a, this vision of nationalism and patriotism, you know, I'm fighting for my country kind of thing. And then in the, and then in the background, there are these, these wheelers and dealers talking about, how, you know, how are they going to divvy up the terrain and who gets what, uh, what share of what. And it's the same thing. It's the same racket for thousands of years. Mm. Yep. yep. And, and and again, if they make, if they have a sending strategy, people to war just to kill them, just to get them out of the way, that's all it is. They 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 draft and they conscript, you know, uh, military age men and send them off to die in warfare. Because the alternative is to let them stay around at home, jobless, restless, sexless, and essentially acting as an impediment to the social order. Oh, maybe they send well, they send people off to die that they that they don't excess men that they don't need, but which they need to claim territory, and which they need to claim assets. Yeah, I mean, it's look. I'm I'm sort of clinging to the hope that maybe and they tell and they tell them they're going to go on this really cool adventure. It'll be really fun. You'll you'll get in the B one Lancer and you'll drop J dams on people and it'll, it'll be really, really it'll be wonderful. You know, um, it's it's basically it's like a, a gym program. You know, <laughs> um, you, we well you can work on your personal fitness. You'll have all these buddies around you. It's great. It's like this this fun like locker room thing. You know, it, and they they plant this thought virus in young men's heads, you know, in order to, to especially in America, which is a, a martial society like ancient Rome, they plant this thought virus in young young men's heads. You know, you're you're you are lesser if you don't go off and kill random people for the government, for the CIA, and for for rich oligarchs, and it's all bullshit. All of it is bullshit. Uh, they, they, how many people come back maimed from these wars, missing 
their eyes, mm. their fingers, their, their, their legs, their genitals, mm. blown off by landmines, and then they throw them in a ditch, mm. and they give them nothing. Well, unless they get them into these programs where they can start testing these next-generation technologies. Um, this, this is, um, you know, it's a contentious topic, right? Because, look, I, I, don't, I don't want to be critical of the, uh, the, the individuals who I, I know too many g good people who, who have, I, I would say, served uh, and but believed that they were doing the right thing. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not against people who served. I'm against the people who send them to die to lie in their pockets. Yes, yes. And um, if, if, if you're unable to grasp that concept, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how, how, you can, how you can be helped in what's coming in the, in the next months, days, months, and, and years. Um, I could say to... I say I tremble, but uh, the thought of what's going to happen in Europe this winter will be the start of um, well, it, it's the trifecta, right? You've got you've got the pandemic. You've they're going to get their World War Three one way or another. Yeah, and then and then you've got the starvation, and it's the it's the perfect storm. And again, it you, you could make the argument if we're talking about systems that have been in place for well. As, as, as long as human history we seem to find elements of it and um they have a tried and trusted methodology i would argue that that now has um been supercharged by this these technological leaps that we've we've made and the most the well, most disturbing the, the the disturbing issue here is that they what they do is they they invent the technology before thinking about the moral and ethical consequences the ultra rich are sociopaths they don't care about the moral or ethical consequences they see human beings as a type of disposable soft robot that they can just send to, to perform tasks for them test on data test and and the, and and that they can they can perform any number of tests or experiments on to obtain whatever data they want and the thing about that is that people are still stuck in this mindset where they assume that the social contract is in effect, it's not. These people—they've all—they've already violated the social contract. Yes, yeah. Um, it's a—it's a facade. Um, I've just—I just clocked uh, Council on Foreign Relations uh, here. Um, you have to add, please. You have to add Amy Maxman. She's moved from mm. nature to uh, work at the CFR and uh, she's the one that <laughs> well she didn't call me out by name but she was she was uh, writing a woke editorial about um, you know the, the criticism that um, well it was aimed towards Angie Rasmussen and wow <laughs> well, I just call her fat Angie right and uh, they were just well, I, I think it's funny. Like I say, I tried all my life to get into nature. All I had to do was call some rad femme fat. <laughs> then I get right. <laughs> just... So please, uh, please add uh, Amy Maxman onto there. And she's linked to Nathan uh, Wolf uh, because her brother is part of the uh, Predict USA program. 
Yeah. yeah. You can find his name. I forgot his first name, but um, Maxman is there, in there. And, um, you know, she wrote a book, Ebola's Unpaid Heroes or something like that, Unsung Heroes. And really a... Um, it's the epitome of what I think has gone wrong with our institutions. And we need to route these people out unapologetically. And, you know, you know, maybe my approach is uh, a bit too harsh, I guess, but look, look at ESG investing. Uh, yeah. Look at, look at how, how much woke stuff has completely infested the media, completely infested our, our, our corporations just from top to bottom. They're trying to offset and, and pretend, Oh, you know, um, they're trying to create this this scoring system that that takes environmental responsibility and lumps it in with social responsibility, so they can they can whitewash their environmental impacts while they're uh, they're doing literally nothing to improve the um, uh, the the real environmental and and uh, and resource impacts of their 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 um, their industries. Um, they're just completely just from top to bottom. What they're doing is that they're they're taking that um, that scoring system, and they're just they're just like you know getting a few diversity hires here and there, and saying you know you know it's it's okay, it's fine to fill the environment full of like full of plastics and uh, and PCBs and and stuff that never goes away. Um, see, look, we hired this diversity hire. We're fine. We're we are um, we're very uh, we're mucho. Uh, environmentally conscious. Yeah. Um, if you, if we assume the environment is just like the, you know, the, the environment that our employees are in, you know, the, yeah. it's, it's, not it's, the environment. It's a disturbing uh, trend. And again, um, how close are we to the jaws just snapping shut on this that we can't? Um, it becomes impossible to move out of it again. Again, I would reiterate that I think the U.S. is where this struggle will manifest most again i i hope it's civilized in how the the deconstruction of the other side occurs because it has to occur we have to we have to pull the pendulum back uh, the other way because it's it's non-functional we have to rip into these people yes Yes, it, they they are are not giving up. It's like the, there is, even though there's determined resistance against what they're trying to do, they they're still pushing back. They're still trying to push the agenda through, mm. and that's and that's part of why I had to kind of step back from this for for a month or so, and kind of try and get my bearings because I just I after the the evidence of vaccine injuries started to accumulate, and and it, it became clear that they were they were still trying to push this this stuff on people trying to push this poison um you know it's it's very clear that you know they're not going to give up they're, they're going to, to keep pushing this all the way to the bitter end and people have to push back even harder mm. yes yeah and you know again i would emphasize non-compliance in this situation don't you know if it involves a bit of privation um an extra bit of effort because you're gonna i don't know it, it encompasses so much food buying you know that's something everything people have to do every day try your best i mean i know not everyone can but if you're in a, if you're in a position where you can sort of stick it to the corporation somewhat do it everyone involved in this this mrna vaccine garbage 
has to be has to have the pants sued off of them. Yeah, um, I'm I'm thinking all, ser- all of them, all of them, right, right down to the narrative pushers on the social media platforms. Right, the they, fact checkers have to be sued. Mm-hmm. Facebook has to be sued. Mark Zuckerberg has to be dragged out in, in into court, as well as all the other people who are involved in this, and they all have to be dragged out in the in into court, mm-hmm. and they have and they have to face a jury over this. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent, and you know I, I my concern is the capture of the uh, institutes that we hope would be dispensing justice, because again, you know, when you're looking at something so encompassing, um, we're dealing with man man-made institutions. So um, I'm bracing myself for the failure of this approach. We're we're trying. Um, you know the work I've been doing with uh, Dr. Richard Fleming and the Crimes Against Humanity tour, and um, uh, Andrew Huff's part of that, of course. Charles Rixey, um, Thomas Renz. Uh, we're all we all signed affidavits. There's a, a campaign to get attorney generals to pick up the case that there have been the literal crimes against humanity, the forced mandates of a technology that has been, is not tested. And again, you can, well, their, their argument is, well, we've given billions of doses and the, uh, the, the adverse events are in the millions. Well, a- any other medication would have been pulled, I would argue. Any other medication would have been pulled after it caused a couple, a couple hundred deaths. Yes. yes. Not, not t- tens of thousands. And I mean, let me, let me pose a hypothetical to you. Say, say we're successful in bringing, you know, we, we can show that the experiments themselves were flawed. We've got, I've got her name in. Texas, who showed that the test center was uh, engaging in scientific fraud, and um, we've got ghost sites being part of Pfizer's um, network of um, trial um, centers. If, you know, I would argue that there's enough there to make the, the claims call. But if that fails, what, what next? I have no idea. It, I mean, I really hope that all of this doesn't turn to violence. I would hope that there would be some legal recourse for people. Mm. But I, I don't know what, what's going to happen mm. in, the next, in the next several months or years. Mm. You, you really have to watch the, um, the discussion with Jeffrey Sachs and Robert Kennedy. Because what he does is he, he was part of this Lancet Commission. And he's come out and basically published papers saying that there's um, there were hidden conflicts of interest within the group um, set up to investigate the origins of SARS-CoV-2. Um, he's he's and look, I I, I had a low opinion of Jeffrey Sachs prior to this because of you know his association with what happened in uh, the, the collapse of the Soviet Union and um, 
economic shock therapy, shock therapy. That, that sort of um, strip mined Russia of resources and and you know caused many many years of um, hardship. But again, and you know, I don't know how much of how it much is of him is. just in yes. CYA mode. Yeah, um, but he's come out and, and named them all. Dayzak, uh, Fauci, names Fauci as being linked to DOD, getting extra money, DOD, to incorporate DOD programs into the NIH and NIAID. Um, what else has he... Well, well they're, they're joined at the hip. Look, look at, at the chart. They're uh, Fort Detrick and the Integrated Research Facility at Fort Detrick, IRF Frederick. That's NIH and... Um, uh, Fort Detrick um, collaboration right there. In the lower left. Oh, there's Francis oh, Collins. Okay. And National Institutes of Health. Yeah, that's a big, uh, big node, right? And of course, Department of Health and Human Services. Oh, God. I mean, you, you, you nailed so much in this Venn diagram. <laughs> How did it look take? at? Um, th th this particular iteration took took me like a few days to oh wow. Jesus put together. So, <laughs> um, just kind of working off the top of my head for a lot of it. But um, so uh, somebody mentioned, um, somebody I know mentioned ARPA H, um, linked to uh, NIH right there. Why do NIH need their own DARPA like organization? Uh, we already have BARDA, the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. Uh, so why is it that the NIH are seeking out their own DARPA-like organization? Uh, I guess it's just paralyzation, right? And uh, the ability to move more more money through more institutes such that, well, under normal circumstances, it wouldn't rouse suspicion. Um, <laughs> I, think that, I think that cover's been blown um in the uh, in the current circumstances and you know again pointing from this pointing down to ralph barrick um th there's someone who just is flying a little too under the radar for my liking considering his role in well the research that's gone into into sars and the the molecular technologies that they've developed to manipulate them and yeah yeah i'm <laughs> just i i'm uh, i'm seething and uh, there's a there's an air of um like it, it's it's a done deal and maybe they'll cut a few off. They'll throw Peter da Peter Dayzak to the wolves. That's very much what Jeffrey Sachs was doing. Well, they'll tr they'll try and um, throw some people under the bus, and the all the the um, the really important figures like the the, the Davos people and and the people standing behind them mm -hmm. in the shadows will have pretty much zero repercussions for what they did. Mm. And they know it because they're, they're completely insulated from anything due to their wealth. Yeah. And it's, it's the double standards that these people have, right? So this is just one of those, I know it's real, but um, 
as part of their sort of ESG um, planning, they, they put a green carbon tax on aviation fuel. And uh, that applies to so everyone who buys a ticket now for um, to get on a plane is um, contributing to this tax. Yet there's um, one uh, one category that isn't subject to this taxation. Have a guess. Yeah. Have a guess who it is. What it is. Who what? Private jets. Private jets. Do oh, have great, jets. great, <laughs> wonderful. What a slap it's, in the face. Um, huge double standards. They, they think, you know, that, that they have a right to drag us back to neo-feudalism. Yeah. You know, to drag us back to feudalism with this, with... Um, yeah, they just—they just want there, they want there to be a a, a two caste system, with uh, essentially with aristocrats and with feudal serfs, mm -hmm. and they want the feudal serfs—that's us—to have as little wealth as possible and and no no opportunity for upward mobility. They want to own all assets, all productive assets. They, they I mean everything that they could they could conceivably make one money. They want to totally dismantle the middle class. Um, the reason why they want to dismantle the, the middle class should be obvious to anyone who has ever seriously examined the material conditions of the middle class. Um, the thing is is that Middle class people don't really provide as, as much. To, um, I mean, to the uh, to the upper class. I mean, aside from from taxes, right? But um, people who, who I mean, whose needs are all fulfilled. People who own who own a home. People who have already already made all the big ticket purchases they really need to make, and who are passing them on down. Uh, to, the, to their uh, descendants, um, those people don't really contribute as much to to um, to high finance. Um, the the ones who contribute the most to high finance are kind of you know just right on the border, like just just above the poverty line. You know the people who are like kind of kind of like lower, uh, not really lower class, but but not quite middle class. You know those kind of in betweeners, the kind of people who who take on loans to be able to do anything yeah. in their lives. You know the people, the kind of people who who still have yet to to, to purchase a home, mm -hmm. who still have yet to make the, those kinds of of uh, decisions from their lives. Um, those are the people who contribute the most to uh, to the bottom line of high finance. The pe the people who are are um, reliant on. Um, on loans and more on mortgages just to, to get by just to just to buy groceries mm -hmm. kind of a deal um it, believe it or not people are actually doing that yeah, especially yeah, yeah. during I, this I, pandemic I um and the thing is is they don't want people who are who are frugal who have large savings accounts full of money who are satisfied who have most of their, their needs met they don't want that because it doesn't it doesn't uh, produce anything for for the um for the owner class, for the rentier class, and, and, and those those people, those people are, reli are reliant class. on people constantly consuming consumer goods on a continuous basis, racking up debt on their on their credit cards, yeah. um, and that's that's how they make their money. Yeah. They are they're reliant on that. That while while they're complaining about our our personal habits destroying the planet, they're 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 fly, They are the ones who are engaging in labor arbitrage, uh, outsourcing all of our our production 
um, halfway across the planet so they can pay someone 50 cents an hour to do what an American factory worker used to be paid 20 or $30 an hour to do, making injection-molded plastic Funko Pop crap so they can load it into an ISO shipping container, ship it back to us on a container ship burning literally thousands of, of metric tons of nasty bunker fuel, mm -hmm. filling the air full of sulfur. They don't care. They don't care about the environment. They, com they want to complain about our vacations. They want to complain about our gas guzzlers while they fly around their private jets, while they outsource all our, our manufacturing halfway across the globe. They don't care about the environment. They they all they care about is money. Mm. Well, is it, it's is nonsense. It, is, is it money? They it, they they just they, it's it's make believe. All this climate stuff is 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 complete nonsense. Look at what they've spent the past thirty plus years doing. How they completely retooled all our industries to and and uh, and offshored all our pollution to China, and and India. Yeah. And you have these countries with fields full of black sludge and with plastic garbage flowing out of their rivers and into the oceans. And, and over here, they pretend that we have this wonderful, cleanly environment full of these, um, these wonderful, like, the city state. You got to have, here in, um, in where, around where I live, the Seattle area, you have uh, this, the city state of Amazonia. And then down in Cupertino in California, you have, you have the land of Apple. It's like these giant corporations these giant R&D firms, that's, that's all we have left. We don't have any, hardly any manufacturing left in this country, hardly any opportunities for people to actually have real upward mobility, for people to actually be able to make money and buy a damn house. We don't have any of that anymore. We, what, we ha what we do have is we have people who work for, for Amazon and Apple and the people who shine the shoes of the people who work for Amazon and Apple and wash their dogs and make them pizzas. Mm. And dry clean their clothes. Mm. That's all we have. Yeah, yeah. And in the last two and a half years, like you say, that a wrecking ball was been thrown through, and so many people have slipped off that rung. That you know, like you were saying, they're clinging there with loans. And they, they get they get kids started. Um, get them get them used to debt slavery right out of the starting gate. Yeah. With with call with tuitional debt, yeah, with tens of thousands of dollars in tuitional debt that prevents them from ever accruing assets or starting a family. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm I'm all for um, re uh, retooling is a good a good phrase. The uh, academic systems. Um, uh, the reason why they're doing why they've done this, the reason why they've cut us off from upward mobility is because they want to grab all of the assets, they want to buy them all up at fire sale prices, and then lease them back to us. Mm. They want to buy up our whole damn country. Yes. Yes. They... they they took these, all these, these, what we had, we used to have from one end of the United States to the other. We used to have factories and steel mills and we used to have automobile factories. We used to have injection molding facilities. We used to have, we used to do everything here. And they, they took it all and they offshored it to China. And then private equity firms, vulture capitalists, moved in, and they they fired a bunch of people, canceled everyone's pensions, and liquidated these companies and sold off all their assets. 
Yep. That doesn't that doesn't produce anything. That doesn't produce wealth for our communities. It destroys them. From one end of the country to the other, you have these these towns with people who are who are um, stuck in cycles of drug abuse. Yes. Popping popping oxy and fentanyl, and and always on the edge of homelessness. Yeah. And like I say, so and, many people have fallen into that um, trap now. Uh, in, in well, what's supposedly first world countries, and um, we're not in in a situation where we we've got a pandemic type environment where we're seeing these um, emergent diseases that again I don't think are um, how should we say na nature. Um, people th people think America's wealthy because they they judge us and are are based on our GDP per capita, which is actually based on a tiny tiny minority of the population mm. who are making who are making money hand over fist mm. because they control all the major financial hubs and all the port cities. Yep. They the 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 vast but I mean the the real median income of Americans is just I mean for a lot of Americans is just barely above the poverty line. Millennials, I think, uh, was it the average income of millennials is something like thirty grand a year. Like, in order to live comfortably in the U.S., with the the way the cost of living is, you have to be making like at least seventy to eighty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, dude, they I've they, never they made don't. That I've never made. Like, they don't want to. They don't want to pay people even a fraction of that. And you know, as a, as a skilled individual with uh, my own lab, right. Um, the base pay didn't hit seventy thousand. It might do now, right? But it, it wasn't. It wasn't a level of opulent luxury. It was like, okay, I've got my bills covered. When the the um, uh, you know, over the years, you know, it was it was it back in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, twenty ten, twenty eleven, um, around that time, uh, Chinese factory workers were making about fifty cents an hour. Uh, you, you ever hear about? Uh, was it the the um, uh, the Foxconn factories? How they had yeah. the suicide? They put up the suicide nets around them. Yeah. Do do, 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 pe do people even know why they put those suicide nets up? These these companies were giving the families of workers who had committed suicide cash reimbursements. I think they were something on the order of like ten, like something like ten thousand dollars. And these workers are deciding, you know, I'm never going to make that that amount of money actually working here. It would, it would be more rational for me to just jump off a building oh, no. and send that and send that money to my family. <laughs> that was that was the whole that was the reason why they put those suicide nets up. Ah. Uh. Eventually, they took down the nets when they realized that that you know uh, we don't need this anymore. We can just get rid of the cash incentive, and that'll just that'll keep people from jumping. And then people stopped jumping, and they went back to work. Okay, that was that was the name of that game. And and when when over throughout the 2010s, as uh, Chinese factory worker wages increased to about four dollars an hour or so. Our companies were like, our our, you know, our supplier our suppliers are charging us too much. You know, it'd be nice if we could re outsource it to Africa or something and get it back down to like fifty cents an hour. Yeah. And that is where all our cheap goods come from. Is from this ridiculous cycle of Americans going into debt to buy crap we can't actually afford from companies who are, are obtaining all their products from sweatshops. Yeah, and look, I, I've, I speak about that at length, and there's, there's one person who I put 
this at the feet of, and that's uh, Ayn Rand, where um, the managerial class are um, devotees of this idea of selfishness as a virtue, and in their pursuit of selfishness to uh, to get their extra penny on the dollar for for the the industry that they're working in that it's okay in their mind to offshore stuff because they're they're making out okay and i yeah i'm i'm with you on this i think i think the the, the social fallout that's happened the uh, the mass movement of people that destroys um established communities now uh, you know i guess i get people say well you know you did colonialism uh a few hundred <laughs> a few hundred years ago you know what i was talking about it today because of jordan peterson um it was it do was you, do you know uh, not to interrupt but do you do you know what klaus schwab's fourth industrial revolution really is it's an industrial revolution without people mm. that's that's what it is if you actually if you actually read what these people are saying about and what Klaus Schwab has, has, has written in his books about all this is going on about oh look at how companies like Uber can can produce so much value when they, while they only employ like a fraction of the like the taxi cab companies they, they replace and look at how Airbnb can produce all this value while only employing a tiny fraction of the number of people that, that old old school uh, industries used to and like real estate and all that um, and look at how all these these digital companies like how how they can free up all these jobs that we used to have and just just completely eliminate like large like ninety percent of the workforce. Well, then what do we do with the with with the uh, the people who are left unemployed by this process? Oh well, we don't really have any use for them anymore. So I guess we'll just throw them in in the the shredder. Well, um, it's uh, it's their right to do so <laughs> because they're making out. Right, as selfishness as a virtue, and you get people say, okay, they're interpreting wrong. Well, maybe, but these are the consequences that we're seeing, and you know, I th I think it's led to a kind of vapid nihilism because, again, you know, the young literally are, you know, if they're not set up by um, familial wealth, are, are going to struggle to get any kind of traction. The young are being brainwashed constantly. The young, the young are having media foisted on them, m movies, video games, TV shows that constantly like embed in their consciousness this idea that there are these superheroes and saviors that are going to come save them from themselves, and then condition them to accept these authority figures these godlike authority figures around them who can just miraculously do accomplish things out of the blue mm. nobody's that competent no, no. and the, the, the issue is is that we've elevated incompetence be, because it satisfies this desire for um these these esg like targets right you 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 pass over the competent um well, let's let's put it in these terms. The the Asian high performer now gets turned down for the rainbow haired. Um, <laughs> well, well, well I, it's um, yeah, it's ESG investing and all that a gigantic scam. Let's them let's corporations whitewash everything they're doing. Pretend you know. Um, 
we're, we're being environmentally conscious. We're, we're, you know, we're saving the planet uh, when all they're actually doing is, you know, like um, we, we hired an extra um, uh, one extra paraplegic person this year. So that, that obviously offsets our, our carbon footprint and our, our pl output of, of non-biodegradable plastics. Um, it's complete nonsense. It's just a, a complete scam. And BlackRock and Larry Fink are a couple of, are, are just complete fraudsters. Yeah. All right. These people are fraudsters. They are trying to snatch up tons and tons of property at fire sale prices so they can lease it back to us. They're, they're buying our countries. Yes. Yeah. And um, this weaponization of housing, again, is, uh, it's, it's a, it's not weaponization of housing. They use housing as a store of value. It's houses are the, the new oil. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it makes it impossible. Well, it's, it's the Rube Goldberg trap for all these people trying to get on in lives. They're never going to be able to own property now. And of course not. Foreign capital flooding into our markets. It's Chinese investors pouring millions and millions of dollars into American homes. Nobody's nobody over here is buying a house. Mm. Nobody can afford it. Why? Why would they? Who can afford a six hundred thousand dollar little tiny cracker box that used to be one hundred twenty thousand dollars like like 10, 20 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, and they're asking they're asking like half a million, a million dollars for a place that's like a couple square feet, a couple uh, a couple thousand square feet. Well, you know, it's complete feet. nonsense. Luxury, Luxury dude, thousand square feet for me. But I want to. Um, when, when I was a kid, you you could you could buy a house that was like thirty five hundred square feet in America for like three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mm. That uh, that was a totally reasonable price for like a, a relatively like a, like a McMansion sized house, right? But nowadays it's it's like the, it, we have leaders who are saying, you know, we need we need more we need to get rid of these horrible suburbs, and we need to have more walkable cities, and we need to have more sensible urbanization and mixed use developments, and we need to have these really really small flats on top of uh, laundromats and stuff like that. Yeah. And you you can't have your McMansions and, and your your big uh, pickup trucks anymore. We're just going to do away with that. The smart city prisons. Um, I want to I want to pick your brain a little or, or get your opinion. So, that one thing that I um I've picked up on and I, I I do well less so now, but you know there was the around SARS, which is the race specificity, and what's your what's your take on that do you do you do you consider it a do you consider the data solid are you um what it, you it, it affects different races differently yeah it's very 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 obvious and the well it, 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 if we're talking about conspiratorial networks you know there's the it just so happens just so happens that you know the, the the group with the most advantageous polymorphisms are uh how should we say yes <laughs> i want this to stay up on youtube i don't want it to get taken down but um we all know who it is mm. nobody has to actually say anything mm. and um deliberate uh just one of those flukes what what's your uh 
A direct and intentional attack on the Anglosphere. That's my opinion. Mm, yes. Yeah. Uh, all the, look, look at where all the worst uh, lockdown measures are. It's all places like US, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, mm. one after another. That's uh, everywhere, everywhere else has more sensible policies. Mm. It's like and parts of and Europe. It's like it's literally all like European country. Mm. Well, and and Ang and Anglosphere. So I I want to. Um, Singapore steal. didn't have anything like this. No, no. Ch uh, yeah, sure. China China has draconian lockdowns. We're not exactly sure why they they are so intent on having a zero COVID policy. Well, maybe that. But no, but, but Vietnam didn't have anything like this. Japan didn't. Um, Japan didn't. Um, but I, I want to steal, man, the argument to the, uh, the other side of this race specificity and uh, the, uh, the particular group that we're talking about. And um, that is that uh, Israel... I'm not, I'm, not I'm not afraid to name them. It's, the, it's clearly and obviously the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. Hmm. And, but, and and the and the committee of three hundred, which is com which uh, contains and is composed of a large portion of the Rothschild and Rockefeller patriarchs, mm -hmm. as well as you know the the likes of Bill Gates and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And and the, this group is co connected to the Council on Foreign Relations, the Club of Rome, mm -hmm. and so on. And these people have essentially trillions and trillions of dollars oh, to their names, yeah, it's just infinite. limit limitless money, mm. and they can they can afford they have every they have all the media in their back pockets. Mm. It's it is intentional. Yeah. This is what they're doing is one hundred percent intentional. Look at look at what David Rockefeller and Aurelio Pecci were saying. You know. And, um, when they formed the Club of Rome, mm. mankind is the enemy. They want population reduction, and they want to have, you know, a, a nice, clean, empty planet for themselves and the descendants. Mm. Oh, and a few people kept around as 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 servants, and that's it. Mm. I'm just they don't they don't they don't want the 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 social order that we have today, which is where where people are allowed some measure of upward mobility. They don't want any of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm They want to go back. They want to go back to the pre-industrial social arrangements where you have an aristocracy, and then everyone else is just completely beholden to this aristocracy. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there's a Swiss, Swiss, Swiss families, Venetian old money. It's it's the same uh, rogues gallery every single time. And at what at what point do we? You know, I I think well, like, like I say, I'm being tactful. These people think that they're untouchable. Mm. That's the problem that I have with them. They think that that no one is ever allowed to criticize them or or call them out. Mm. Yeah. They they deflect and dissemble every single time. And they think that they can just do this stuff to people with impunity. Yeah. That's what gets me about it. Well, it, and it's done It's done through the gaslighting of philanthropy. Oh, we're, you know, we're trying to help <laughs> the world. And it's, uh, it's a, um, a poison pill to be, to be literally, to be, <laughs> well, not even poisoned. Now, now, uh, now it's giving you your uh, access codes to get in your, for your... Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, Amazon shift. That's that's how bad these people are. And the world that they are trying to create is insane. And it and it is every aspect of it is solely for their benefit. They don't care about us. They they are um they're not f f uh, feeling f <laughs> these people are not philanthropic. They are complete psychopaths. The reason why they create these um these philanthropic foundations like the the like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and all the rest of these is so they can have a nice little uh, tax-free, like a nice, nice little little place to write off their t uh, on their taxes, you know, and also uh, spread their program around the world, and also to act as PR s to deflect from all the other horrible shit they do to people. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the way they've dismantled our societies with free trade. Mm. Yep. Look, yeah. look, I'm I'm here again. You know. Uh, I'm in 100% agreement. We're watching. We're watching in real time. Like I say, the censorship kicked in. My channel was uh, taken down, and um, again, because I, I would argue that I'm critical of uh, these groups and individuals. I hold a particular stance with respect to the events that have been pulled on us over over the last two and a half years. I, I think I, I all the data points points in that direction and those those that would engage in well, narrative control we you know we've gone out with someone someone in the in the um the stream chat said the reason they want mass immigration is because those people won't fight the reason they want mass immigration is because for those people um the paltry living standards that the elite want for everyone are an upgrade mm. Yeah, they 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 want all the rest of us to have our living standards vast, like massively curtailed. Yeah. They want us to. They want the vast majority of the people on this planet to live like they're in a, a Brazilian shanty town, literally. Rio, de, like you're living in the favela in Rio de Janeiro, but but with VR goggles, so you can still enjoy <laughs> what it what it feels like to be on a beach in Cancun. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's deserving. And look. Uh, Kate in the Rumble chats is saying, she says, I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about future generations. It's truly up to us to stop or their lives will be hellish. Uh, on on that, I'm in 100% agreement. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm in the last stages, right? I've had my kids. I want to see them grow up. But I'm, I'm legitimately worried that, that they're going to be growing up into what seems to be a hellscape an authoritarian what, what you, you used a brilliant turn of phrase when we were talking about um uh japan and why you know why why has the last two and a half years not been so impactful in the east and it, 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 because they're already conditioned to accept authority unquestioningly that's why they are they're already they already have that authoritarian mindset that the new world order wants everyone to adopt the 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 new world order are only opposed to people who have that that liberty minded uh you know pers that persuasion you know people who who actually believe that civil liberties are important that uh, that human autonomy and human rights are important we are the, the last opposition 
to what they're trying to do. Yes, yes, uh, I, I agree completely with this. And again, I, I pray that it's um, it can be solved legally. But again, do you think that the courts operate normally in these circumstances when it comes to the challenges? I mean, not. the judges are paid off. So then where does that leave us? Where does I, that... I, I don't know. Uh, we have to wake people. We have to wake people up, yep. as many people as possible. Yeah, um, we have to get we have to get the message out to as many people as possible. The reason why the vast majority of people are resistant to this message, um, why we're seeing this seventy thirty split here of like uh, a large portion of the population being vaccinated and then like maybe thirty percent resisting, okay. is because. Um, that larger portion of the population have been conditioned to accept government and scientism mm -hmm. as a substitute for religion. Mm -hmm. what you, when you tell them that the ruling class have it out for them, that, that they are essentially um, trying to enslave all of us, mm -hmm. they reject it out of hand because... To accept it would be to destroy their, their pre-existing worldview in which government and public institutions are a cherished security blanket for them. They, they provide them with emotional gratification. It feels wonderful to know that there are these people out there who do all the thinking for you. And you don't need to lift a finger. You just have to obey this these godlike powers out there who who control everything who well, know all the secrets of powers. nature you can have godlike powers just swallow the pill and then you can uh, you can have uh, what did you say arms like wires and legs like crocodile clips you can, then you can have it that. doesn't matter it's, uh, you know some somebody in the in the chat says our, our country is founded on the rights of the individual you know the rights of the individual in this system are completely irrelevant mm. You know why they're completely irrelevant? Because you can't 